This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, gone. Go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. We may have a problem today. Uh, hold on. You always got to have your uh, headset on so you don't get in the way of the sponsor, Link Soul. Mine's being blocked by the big three bobblehead. Well, no one's worried about you. But I have it on. No offense. Can you turn me up a little bit? There you go. Um, I remember having a boss saying sometimes you need to go into a show where you just let it fly. Don't don't put too much information in your head. Because I've got so much information today, it's stupid how much info I got for everybody today. I'm over-prepared for today. Because it's like I haven't done this in a while, and I've missed it. I got too much info ready to rock. We got a great show for you. Jensen Jensen Lewis, former big league pitcher, now Guardians TV, and you hear him on MLB Sirius XM Radio, channel 89 for you XM people like me. He'll be here at 1.30. And then the leader of men. Like, if you were like, if you needed inspiration today, if you were wondering, like, you know, how do I get my life on track? You may be dealing with some tough times. He's almost like the Tony Robbins of the minor leagues. He's the great leader of men. You're going to be inspired to be better today after you listen to Fran Reardon, the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators. Like, you'd, fi- you'd follow that man anywhere. I would. I'd follow him into battle. You'd follow him into hell? You'd fight that battle? I'd follow him into that Titanic that they're – Apparently, what's going on down there? I'd follow him in there too. Oh, you brought that up! Wow, I didn't well, didn't see you going there. Okay, you we, you really don't even know about it, and you're uh, bringing it up. I've been people have been texting me about talk, my friends have been talking about it in our group chat. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? But I try. This to is all I know because I am somebody who consumes news. That a there is a company that has basically submarines, submersibles that they take people down for exploration. And I guess they went down. I, I haven't heard since yesterday because, once again, I've been acquiring ready for this show. Um, they took, and it's it's a small craft, too. They And the Titanic, for all you non-Titanic lovers, Titanic is way down there. It's not like it, like, 
when it hit the iceberg and went down, it went down to not go look at the how far down is it? It's like thirteen thousand. Yeah, twelve thousand five hundred feet. Yeah, uh, twelve thousand five hundred feet down. Now I know you're a big ocean buff. That's really far down there, Cody. Yeah, uh, I don't. I haven't. I haven't been there. It's like right off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. I'm just gonna tell you, it's not snorkeling. Yeah, no. Um, my uncle was a was a rescuer for snorkeling. You know, I forget what the exact word was, but he did that. Um, I don't think he's uh, snorkeling down the twelve thousand five hundred no, feet. I did snorkeling <laughs> in Maui, and it uh, it's not twelve thousand. I mean, that's way down there. And so they took a submersible, and uh, they haven't heard from it in a while. It's probably that's never bad happened. news. I said to you, what superhero are we sending down to save save the, the, the craft? That is bad, bad news. So Fran Reardon, Jensen Lewis coming your way, Athletics and the Guardians. You, you know, this season, and we've talked about it, and we got a lot to get into because I, I'm really bummed out about the MLB Combine from a viewer standpoint. Obviously, this is an event – that I think is great for amateur baseball players. Because not everybody lives in an area that has a ton of scouts. A great example is back in the day, what year was Nolan Ryan drafted? 1965, same year as Ray Fossey. Was that 65? Okay, how big was Alvin, Texas in 1965? And I don't even know where the hell Alvin, Texas is. Is that like near Houston? Um, it's got, I think it's New York Houston. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's only been two guys that were drafted for, or, you know, that came from that the school. Great Nathan Avaldi, who, by the way, is going tonight. I got some new news on him. Yeah, he's been and pre- I follow Nathan Avaldi. You know why I follow Nathan Avaldi? Um, let me guess. He's on your fantasy team? He's on my fantasy team, this league he talked me into. The, Where is Alvin, Texas? It's Al- got- Alvin's down here. So, Alvin, I'm pointing down. Houston's here. Alvin's down here. So, so it's, it's right, right by the water. Yeah. It's right by the Gulf. It's by it's Galveston. Not, yeah. Galveston's a sneaky good town, by the way. They got amusement park. It's pretty good town. Good food right there uh, on the Gulf. So, but 19, what, 65, 66? 1965. He debuted in 1966. The first draft, Rick Monday out of Arizona State. Johnny Bench was in that draft. A's took him. Charlie Finley took him. So, who the hell was going to Alvin, Texas in the mid-60s? <laughs> so, I think it's great. It was in San Diego last year, right, at Petco? Yeah, that's right. This year it's at uh, Chase Field in Arizona. I, it's great for baseball. As we talk to David Force, you can hear the show still on A's Cast right now, athletics.com slash A's Cast. We know how successful the combine is for the NFL because you get to – See the players, talk to the players, probably most importantly, talk to them. And that's the one thing that, you know, general managers and scouting directors like Eric Kubota really don't get to talk to the players. You get to talk to these guys. They all get a suite. Every team has a suite. Players come to the suite. You get to talk to them. That's all good. But it sucks for television. We'll have to get into that in just a little bit. But but something that I brought up, um, I did probably more – on television when I got back from my little quick vacation, by the way, which was very odd for me. I've never been on vacation during the season like that. Like, I've always taken time off a little bit before the All-Star break and then after the All-Star break, so like a long. So the majority of it, there's no baseball. But to actually be off 
while the A's are playing was very odd. It felt odd. Didn't feel, I'm not saying it felt wrong. It just didn't feel normal to be like, wow, it's June. My, I, I try not to be on my phone when I'm on vacation, so I'm mostly with my kids hanging out. But you still go, you know, you have your phone. And, you know, you're getting the updates. Oh, the game's starting. Oh, and, and you're three hours behind in Hawaii, and the team was not at home. Yeah, when you were first gone, it was uh, Pittsburgh and Milwaukee, right? So it's already starting, like, early anyway. Yeah, so you're six hours behind. Six hours. So all of a sudden, you're like, you're like by the pool, and it's like, hey, the A's are starting against the Brewers, and you're like, what? I tell you, one of the trippiest was, I was in the ocean with the kids. We came out. And we were walking by, and there's this bar outside, you know, Tiki Bar. And you look up, and the NBA Finals was almost over. And you're like, wait a minute, it's like it's like 2.30 in the afternoon or whatever it was. Yeah, because it was over. Yeah, because it would have been six hours ahead, so yeah. I tell you what, on the island, sports is great. Everything ends early. None of this staying up late. But we, yeah, I mean, I remember when what, everything's over. Like if you're watching, I mean, you think about it. Mo, the NFL would be done there by what time? One o'clock? All the, the the main NFL games, Sunday yeah. night football would still go on. Yeah. But if you lived in Hawaii, your 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 afternoon games would be ending. Now you'd have to get up early, which would suck if you're if your team because I think they're mostly wet because everything you see there is basically Niners. Pretty much Niners Raiders. Most fans in Hawaii are, and really are, they're Niner fans. So if you're a Niner fan over there, but if you're like a fan of an East Coast team, man, you got to get up early. But the great thing is football, everything, it's done. It's done. One o'clock, one thirty, you're done. You got the rest of the day. Yeah, the only thing you have during college football season, like when I lived in Pennsylvania, growing up in Pennsylvania, at midnight, the uh, Rainbow Warriors will be getting ready to Oh, to the play. old Mountain West games? Yeah. Last game of the day, Mountain West. It was, huh? We're beyond Pac-12 after dark and all that. We're looking at the oh, Mountain West. And you know who the king of Thursday night Mountain West games are? You're San Jose State Spartans. We're always on the Thursday night CBS Sports. C- CBS Sports Network. Well, they got a big game, game one this year. So Hey, we're going down. It's going to be week zero. San Jose State's going down. We're ending USC season week zero in August. I'll need that day off. You will need that day off as a bunch of us are heading down to the L.A. Coliseum. We're going to fly into LAX, Uber over, whoop their ass, get back on the plane and come home. <laughs> Boom. Mark it. I'm guaranteeing it now, and I don't even know what the date is. Uh, it's August 26th. I Mark think. the tape. Caleb Williams, the day his Heisman hopeful, he, day he tries, ends. his Heisman uh, ends. repeat ends. Yeah, <laughs> and you get that Pac-12 honk, Roxy Bernstein on the line because his buddy's our head coach. He's going to have to agree. So uh, I've been talking about since May 29th, and I just have the schedule up in front of me. The A's have played a pretty damn good schedule, and I know we don't like to play the schedule game in Major League Baseball, but. How about these teams? The Atlanta Braves, you could say, are the best team in baseball, if not number two only to Tampa. Mm-hmm. Then you have Miami. My Marlins are playing great base. You know, I've been a Marlins fan since 97. What about the first year with John Lynch? First ever start. <laughs> I, I remember watching that first ever game. Mar- Mar- 
Fact check me on this. First ever start, I'll never forget, it was Dodgers-Marlins. It was a day game. I want to say I was in college at the time. When the Marlins started, you probably would have been in college still in the first year. And it was on ESPN, and Charlie Huff, the old Mm. knuckleballer, he had to have been about 80 years old warming up, (laughs) but he's smoking a cigarette, and he's putting a cigarette down on the mound, and he's getting out there, and he's throwing the knuckleball. Smoking a cigarette in the bullpen. Can you imagine in 2023 if we said, hey, tonight's starter, uh, Aaron Savali, let's, uh, you know, Aaron Savali on the year is two and two, and you pan the camera down to him. He's two and two, and he's sitting there going, we ready to go here, boys? Yeah. Can you imagine that? No, you can't even imagine that. But yeah, Charlie Huff smoking the cig. So, all right. So you, you got Atlanta, you got Miami. You go to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because you got to remember the A's were playing at such a horrific clip. You're talking about historically bad. Like, you can't believe how historically bad the A's were. Cleveland Spiders. Yeah, we're talking 62 Mets bad. You go into Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was in first place. You sweep the Pirates, and now that puts Milwaukee in first no, place. Two or three. Or lost, you take two you lost game one. You take two or three. So, you now put Milwaukee in first place, sweep them, come home against Tampa split. You lose all three to Philly, but every one of these teams is a team that's trending playoffs. Even though Philly's trending good again, Pittsburgh maybe not down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Don't worry. They won't see you. They will. Oh. Thank you. Yes, go away. She sounds like Cara. So, Swifty. I saw the Taylor Swift shirt. Swifty, as they say. There you go. Got the A's coffee mug. Let's rock. Um, point is, they went nine and ten in that stretch. With a win yesterday, would have been ten and nine, but nine and ten. At least we can say they're playing better baseball. At least they're somewhat entertaining at this point to watch. There's some entertainment value to watching this A's team right now. And that, that was very good competition. So you say to yourself, it doesn't end there because Cleveland, they're not very good. They don't have a whole lot of pop, but they still pitch. Then you got Toronto, and Toronto still wants to believe. I would have to say we got to get Dan Schulman on. from. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was my goal for Friday. From the great white north because I don't think they're happy with where they are right now. No, uh, Schulman was my was my hope for when, on Friday when we played the north of the border. Or Buck Martinez. Yeah, either one. Uh, Buck's back. Buck, I think Buck came back last year after his uh, cancer diagnosis, yeah. and he, great to have Buck back. But, yeah, those are our guys in Toronto, except for when the team's here. We'll, we'll try to get Chapman or whatever other former. Oh, my God. I, I did this the other day. If everybody remembers, Matt Chapman was off to a start. Historic. And for some reason, people like to throw this in my face. And I tell you, I like Matt Chapman. I've always liked Matt Chapman. I just give you the honesty that Matt Chapman rubs people wrong. But me personally, I've always liked Matt Chapman, and I've said it. The guy is balls to the wall. I'd love to play with Matt Chapman as a teammate. But I would not give Matt Chapman the long-term deal. Once again, I love him as a guy. I love him as a competitor. I've said it to his face. Have I never? Have I ever said anything bad about Matt Chapman? Never on this program. That's beyond just numbers. I love Matt, Ch- and I hope Matt Chapman gets paid. 
I'm telling you right now, Matt Chapman is a guy I would want. I as a, If I'm playing, if you could take me back in time and put me on a team, I want Matt Chapman on the team. He's that. I have no problem with prickly dudes. That's why I'm. That's why I have the relationship I have with Josh Donaldson. I have no problem with guys like that. I like guys with an edge. I like guys who tell it like it is. I don't have that kind of problem. I mean, I don't need Mary Poppins as my teammate. I love Josh. Personally, I love Josh Donaldson. I know he ruffled a lot of feathers around here. I don't care. Give me a winner. Give me a guy that brings it every day. But we got to go back to the numbers and why I've always said I would not pay as great as the defense is for Matt Chapman, I would not pay him long term. Bad return on investment. And some people have taken that as saying I don't like him. No, I love Matt Chapman. I just know his game. And he got out to such a hot start that here came the – Uh, here came the, oh, Townsend, you're wrong. Townsend, you look at look how great he is. He's left the A's and he's great. Folks, he has been in a nosedive. Matt Chapman was hitting. He was leading the league in hitting. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And we had an OPS of over 1,200. As of today, 265 at-bats. He's dropped over 100 points. He stands right now at 260. His OPS was at over 1,200. And to be fair, it was 1,100, averaging around 11. It was over 1,000, but he was around 1,100 for a long time. He's dropped to 787. It's a big drop. It's a monster drop. Well, isn't he hitting like 180 over his last 30 games or something like that? So that's funny that you say that. You want to go to the game logs? So you go to game logs, and you can see every month. Just to tell you how hot Matt Chapman was in April – Matt Chapman in April hit 372 and a massive hold on here you know my San Jose State math skills are not great so I like to be precise so I go to the old calculator I mean look at these numbers he had an 1150 OPS and was hitting 372 for the first month that's massive pretty good. You're carrying your team. He's going to be an MVP, Townie. He's going to be an MVP. Well, then May, he hits 202. You go from 372 one month to hitting 202? 202? And then in June, hitting 158. Anybody want to come back on me again about that contract for Matt Chapman? Anybody? Anybody? You? Uh, uh I have nothing to Who say. The, the people that can reach out to us, remember that? Oh, Townie, you're wrong. Am I wrong? You still want to give $150 million? $150 million to the A's, which, by the way, we've got a thing on. The teams that haven't given away a $100 million contract, it's just not the A's. Love Matt Chapman. I'd want him on my team as a player, as a teammate. If I was general manager, I would not sign him long term. For the month of June, his on base is 234 and his slug is 298. Matt Chapman turning down $150 million by the A's. I've always said, will he ever make that amount of money? He may, through a lot of two-year, three-year deals. He got off to a hot start. My God, how lame are people at MLB.com who come up with these articles? Remember, they're like, 
the free agent class. It's Otani. They put Chapman up there with Otani. I think it's Otani than everyone else. Oh, no, no, no. Being of the year when he had that hot start and he hit 372 and all those bombs, you're like, hey, man, he's going to cash in as a free agent. Yeah, I still think it's Otani than everyone else. We know how thir- we know how big contracts work out for third baseman free agents. Uh, Anthony Rendon's on the injured list again. Oh, how's that possible? What does he hurt? It's a wrist now, I believe, for him. They had now. That. There's a lot of third basemen. If you get if you would have given a long term contract to Brooks Robinson, you would have been okay. Uh, nice, nice little career. George Brett signed a lifetime deal with the Royals. That seemed to work out. He's still there. Michael Jack Schmidt was a decent player. If you would have given Michael Jack, what he left, he led the National League. And home runs eight times, greatest third baseman of all time. So there's certain guys. Chipper Jones was a Chipper, so I was had a long term deal. He was pretty good. So there's certain guys you can do that. Rendon, my God, but Matt Chapman, wow. But back to the A's. Let's see what they got. Let's see what they got when it comes to continuing playing competitive baseball. They got to continue to get away from the historic bad numbers. The history to get away from you're like the Cleveland Spiders. That to me is the goal right now. And some players have stepped it up. And the number one thing that has turned the A's into a team that can be competitive, it's been the pitching. You did the numbers here. Last 13 games, a 3.27 ERA for the starters. Fourth lowest in all of Major League Baseball. Who would have thought that? Yeah, and it's third lowest in the AL. Only the Rays and the and the since uh, since in the Chicago White Sox have a lower ERA over that span in the American League. You would have never. I mean, we're talking about the we're we're talking about historically bad numbers. Bullpen has been one of the better ones in baseball. Bullpen, the way they walked people, this bullpen's numbers are some of the best in baseball. Last 13 games, I get it, just 13 games. But if you knew how bad it was before, you've got to like go, wow, this is a dramatic turnaround that you've got to give Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, and the players the credit that they've least gotten really competitive lately. Yeah, they're over their last 13, it's a 302 ERA. That's fifth lowest in the American League, eighth overall in Major League Baseball. Prior to that, it was a 616 ERA. So we mentioned the starters rotation. And you know what? You're not you're 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 sugarcoating it because it. I, I write down the ERAs most days for the notes. Uh, the staff ERA was well over seven. The bullpen's ERA was almost eight for a long time. Yeah, and overall the the overall pitching staff over the last thirteen games ERA is three fifteen. That's second best in the American League and fourth best in all of Major League Baseball. If you go back to look at the starters, we mentioned the 327 ERA. If you go back and look at their ERA prior to the start in Pittsburgh, when I started the 13-game stretch, 719 ERA is what the starters' ERA was back then. It's I mean, seven. I mean, that is that is that is absolutely horrific. And reports that we're getting out of AAA is there's not a whole lot there to save it. So what you got, is what you got. Now, Kyle Muller's thrown the ball better. There's been times with Adam Aller. Who's the one bullpen guy? Rodriguez? Uh, the In AAA? Is yeah. it Rico Garcia? Rico Garcia. He's about mean. There's not a whole lot. Don't expect. When we talk about wanting to see the young guys, that reinforcement is coming the variety of young players, position players. 
That's not coming from a pitching standpoint. I'm curious to see if they if they do want to call guys up from the minor leagues, if they go the route of like what the Rangers have done in the in the Angels and calling guys just straight up from double A because of how inflated numbers get in the PCL because of that's what the Angels have done, the Rangers I'm have gonna done it. I'm going to guess no. Yeah, I'm leaning that way too because We are we are well, I the sport has created this and it's really through the collective bargaining agreement and how we deal with players. Baseball created this to where you do not, and it doesn't matter what your market size, because we've seen, I mean, the biggest biggest story, high-profile version of this would be a big market team in the Chicago Cubs who, do, who were spending money the way they handled Chris Bryant at a USD, Vegas guy. And they did everything they can to mess with his arbitrate, his arbitration and his free agency. And it's famous, and he fought it and that whole deal. So it's just not small market teams, big market. Everybody does it. Yeah, the Astros did it with Springer, too. It's the way the sport is set up. So knowing that, you know, how, how we're dealing with these young guys and when we're going to bring them up, it is what it is. But when we do bring them up, I've got a I, – I want you, because I know we're going to be up against it here, I want you to ask me later on, huh, you were watching the Combine. By the way, don't watch it. It's awful. You don't need to pay any attention to the MLB Combine. If you are working and you're like, God, I really – you don't need – there's other stuff. Put some easy listening music, whatever makes you feel good at work. I sat around – I sat there literally for about 45 minutes watching the Combine. The majority of the time – they watched, they had the cameras on Harold Reynolds on the field talking to two guys. It's a friend of the program, Harold Reynolds. And I'm not talking you could hear their conversation. He was just standing around. They had nothing to show. And then they panned, so some guys playing catch. It is boring. They built that up on MLB Network, and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Maybe later I'll let you know who Keith Law has the ace taking in his latest mock draft. I guarantee it's the Teal guy. Kyle Teal, catcher from Virginia. Um, Another catcher. But I want you to ask me a little later on what I learned from the Combine and ask me about the my Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay, noted. My friend is is actually at the Combine. I was supposed to go to the Combine. My friend's one of the doctors down there. For the combine to do what? Watch guys play catch. Yeah, yeah. that's why I was watch like, Harold Reynolds out in the field. I could have, I could have done, I could have done the show from there. Unbelievable. Coming up next, Jensen Lewis, former big league pitcher, now commentator for the Cleveland Guardians. As we'll get you ready for the Athletics, and I uh, always want to say the Tribe, but they're not the Tribe anymore. The Athletics and the Guardians next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me. Comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, Jensen Lewis is joining us from the Bally Studios. You got him up? Ah, looks good. Getting ready for Guardians pregame. How are (laughs) you? 
I'm doing good, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, just uh, here in the studio, just taped our, our Guardians Report, our, our weekly show uh, that, that's going to air all, all out through week Friday. So previewed, of course, uh, the A-Series coming up, and then we've got the Brewers coming in town this weekend. But uh, yeah, man, uh, it's not too long ago I can remember being out at the Coliseum and uh, hearing the, uh, and I'll pronounce it wrong, with the Vuvuzuelas and everything yeah. and uh, the atmosphere that was out there. It, it was It was one of a kind. Uh, taking the BART into the ballpark, but making sure you did not miss the team bus on the way home for night games. But I, I enjoyed my time playing there for sure. Well, I, I can tell you, Terry Francona is a friend of our program. We've had him on for years. Obviously was a bench coach for one season uh, with the athletics. That really helped his career, kind of getting bat on, back on track before he went to Boston. So he has always taken the time. We got to see him down at spring training. Steve Vucinich, our longtime equipment manager, retired. We had a party for him and uh, got to see uh, Tito there. He's such a special man. And that's why no matter what the record is right now, and I know the Central isn't very good, just because of his leadership, you believe. You know you're going to pitch. At some point, you're hopefully going to hit. But because of his leadership, you believe in the Guardians. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Chris, there's no doubt about it. And considering since he's gotten here to Cleveland, that's all the way back in 2013. Gosh, kind of a lot's happened since yeah. then. Uh, the Guardians and the Indians, you know, they were, we were both his tenure here. Uh, they've had the best second half record in all of baseball. And it's credit to, to Tito really understanding how to make those adjustments. And, you know, somebody that really takes the time to understand the pulse and the culture of his club, the identity is different each year. And he really allows the guys to, to kind of figure it out. And uh, I'm sort of jealous in a way. I, I wish that I could have played for him knowing he gives guys a, a little bit longer leash than, than maybe we've seen in eras past. And it allows not only young guys, but also the veteran may get off to great starts, know that, Hey, I'll, I've got a guy that's going to back me up. I've got a guy that's got faith in me. You know, he'll, he'll talk to me behind closed doors. If, if I kind of need a little kick in the rear end to, to get moving in the right direction, but he's also the first guy out there to, to really promote his club incredibly humble as far as he doesn't want any of the praise it's all about staff it's all about the organization and of course it's all about the guys that take the field but we're fortunate to have him uh, as long as he can physically do it and, and mentally be up for it I know Cleveland fans uh, feel like we, we've got the best manager in baseball you know they just did the documentary on him MLB Network where they just talk you know <laughs> off the field he's a buffoon but on the field he's a genius <laughs> Uh, you know, the thing about him, communication, we really learned this with Bob Melvin having him all these years, the communication and the trust with the players. And I understand front offices. I understand analytics. I say this on my show all the time. Somebody has to be at the front of the bus. Somebody has to be at the front of the plane. Somebody has to be the adult in the room. Someone has to deal with all the players, has to deal with the egos, has to deal with the issues. Players have wives, girlfriends, parents, issues, kids, you name it. There's a lot going on in life. Someone has to be able to deal with all of that. And to me, just talk about, and this is how I've always felt about him, if you talk about his genius, it's his ability to communicate and relate to the players. Yeah, and not be prisoner of the moment too, Chris. I think that's a unique trait amongst, uh, you mentioned Bob Melvin, heck, you can go all the way back in your guys' organizational history. I mean, I think Art Howe to a certain yeah. point was was really a great guy that could stay balanced even through sometimes that that might have seemed rough. I mean, heck, yeah, we're, we're now the American League leader with 22 wins in a row. We can go back to the 20-game win streak and 
and know how that season sort of started out in which, you know, there were a lot of people that were calling for him to be axed. So, you know, Terry is so unique in the fact that he's been through so many different situations, so many different starts to campaigns. And, and you just rely on his ability to know how to diagnose the problem, how to really keep you know, what's been the youngest team in baseball. I know you guys deal with this too. The youngest in baseball the last couple of seasons, guys that just don't have the experience to know that play the long game, play the marathon. It's a six-month season and really buy into that. Stick with your process, all the cliches that you can throw out there. But but he lives it, and he, he lives on a day-to-day basis with an idea of looking towards the future and what it all should look like. So, again, fortunate to have him at the controls and and a front office that really entrusts a lot of trust in our day of, of analytics and, and maybe not going as much by the eye test anymore. So I think he marries both very well, and he's allowed the freedom to kind of do what he wants day in and day out as well. How many Naylor brothers are there? Because now Bo is up. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm reading that there, there's Miles uh, Naylor, who's at the Combine in Arizona right now. How many of these guys are there? Yeah, we've got three that we know of, and uh, <laughs> we're fortunate to have two of them on the same team now uh, with Bo getting called up uh, just a, a day or two ago. And I, I, it's a it's a phenomenon, as we've seen in, in decades past, of, of how the fan tree works. Of course, we know all about the father and son, you know, uh, guys that have been able to play together, of course. You know, the brothers, uh, heck, we go back to the Boone. You know, Aaron Boone played here. Of course, we know playing. I, I played against, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brett Boone at one point. And I think there's there's a, an intrigue here with this particular duo and, and Josh and Bo that there was so much hyped about Bo being that, that future behind the plate. And and I hope people give him the opportunity to not necessarily fail here, but, but to allow time to have the ups and downs so that he can really – get a comfort level and Josh coming over in the trade that, that sent Mike Clevenger to San Diego. Heck, we've got a couple of guys here at the big league level, Cal Quantrill, uh, Gabriel Arias, uh, Owen Miller now is departed, but we'll see him when Milwaukee comes to town. And Josh, and I was just saying this on our show today, Chris, that we're just a couple of years removed from having that horrific injury in the outfield in Minnesota. And to know that he's walking again and performing at the level that he is on a big league field. It's just a credit to the person first and foremost to have that fortitude, but it's also a credit to the player and, and getting to a point where he can impact games day in and day out. And just coming off a 14 game hit streak, he leads all major league first baseman and RBIs right now. And he's so critical to the middle of this offense, but even more so to the culture in the clubhouse. He's a fiery guy, wears his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, I, I would say that if he were to play in Oakland, he'd be about as beloved, uh, as as any guy you you guys have had, knowing he's that emotional leader for us. So it's great to see the family dynamic up here now. Bo is a great kid. Uh, they, they're so glowing about each other, and, and they talk so so glowingly, too, about Miles, you know, the third guy that's coming up, and what a treat it would have been to have all three of those guys in the same organization. But by and large, we're so fortunate to have both those guys up now on the same team. It makes traveling a heck of a lot easier for their parents. So they, <laughs> they know where they're playing a day in and day out, but – we're excited for the future to see what both these guys can do. I mean, you got to go way back to the Alou family when all three were in the outfield back in the day. But that's uh, that, right. That, that is uh, that's pretty amazing. And before we get to Gavin Williams, because I know you guys are excited about that, Tristan McKenzie, where are we with the elbow? How bad is it? 
Yeah, literally just before coming on with you, Chris, we we learned that uh, it is a strain on the UCL. Uh, he is going to be shut down for several weeks, at least a month from from what the reports are, and they'll reevaluate at that point. Uh, it's a devastating part of the rotation because he looks so good in coming back from an injury already out of spring training. So uh, a tough blow to the top of the rotation. But in a kid in Gavin Williams, who's probably been the biggest prospect or most touted pitching prospect we've had since all the way back in 2001 by a left-hander named CC Sabathia. He's got the same high 90s velocity. He's touched triple digits. He's got two very dynamic breaking. He's drawn a lot of comparisons to Garrett Cole, and, and it won't surprise a lot of people when you see him tomorrow take the mound, that the mechanics are similar, the physical you know, posture is, is very similar, and we'll see if the results can be similar. If he's anywhere near uh, Cole, boy, yeah. we have just a gem on our hands. And he'll he'll get a couple of starts to, to get his feet wet. Uh, it looks like uh, he'll go to – and then possibly another turn uh, against Kansas City. That would be his next scheduled turn in the rotation. And then we'll kind of evaluate from there. But with the McKenzie news, Chris, it would feel as though you don't make this kind of move, putting him up in the rotation, if he's not going to get a very long look here at the big league ball. Yeah, ranked number 16, MLB prospects, number one prospect, 6'6", bringing it with devastating stuff. Uh, looking forward to watching that tomorrow. With the trade, di- trade trade deadline coming up, before we get to the offense, it's always the talk about Bieber. We know how special he is as a pitcher, how he has evolved. He's one of the best in the American League. Are there rumblings, trading deadline, where the Guardians are right now at 33 and 38, or do you see him long-term there? Chris, there, there's probably going to be as much smoke around Shane Bieber being dealt as there is any of the top-end pitching prospects or at least trade candidates, I should say. You know, the Marcus Stroman's of the world, um, you know, even Lucas Giolito. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know if Dylan Cease is as high as far as a priority there for, for Chicago to deal, but uh, there will be a lot of people calling Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff in this front office to see what it would take to pry Shane Bieber from this rotation. I think he had one domino fall today, knowing what the extent, at least early on, of Tristan McKenzie's timetable would be as far as a return to throw, let alone is he going to be available possibly to pitch yet again this season. Uh, it seems that that is now a bit more dire uh, than what we we knew maybe a couple of days ago. So that might clear up a bit more what the options are for this front office in dealing a Shane Bieber type. They have not been able to come to an extension agreement uh, we've seen in years past that this front office in particular, Chris, has been very good at diagnosing when to deal the top-end pitching guys, whether it be in the rotation with Corey Kluber, with Carlos Carrasco, uh, and going back to, to Trevor Bauer, uh, and, and even Mike Clevenger. Uh, on the bullpen side, when they dealt Andrew Miller, when they got rid of Cody Allen, they've had an inability to figure out and, and nearly time it perfectly before guys take a downturn. So, not saying that that's factoring in here, but I think you can kind of connect the dots. Uh, the extension uh, issues uh, have not come to pass. Uh, there's been a little bit of a drop in velocity as far as uh, the miles an hour on the fastball. The swinging miss hasn't been the same. By and large, Chris, he's still top of the rotation guy. He's still an ace type because of the results that he can give you, the length that he can give you, and quite frankly, the postseason pedigree that he stacked up in a short amount of time. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see how his market develops, and I think we get a bit more of a resolution on that front probably shortly after the All-Star break. Well, you have the same data we have. The A's aren't very good. 
The A's are really bad. And what, <laughs> and what, and what shocked me is how Cleveland is last in home runs. Like, we've hit more home runs than Cleveland. I, it's not a big market, small market. I mean, Jose Ramirez, I mean, this guy probably someday is going to have a plaque in Cooperstown. We mentioned Naylor. I'm just shocked for the past few years, the lack of power in Cleveland. What's going on there? Chris, it, it is really a fuddling thing here because the, the idea this offseason was to go try and address that first and foremost. And Josh Bell and, and Mike Zanino were supposed to be at least short-term answers for that. They were hoping Oscar Gonzalez uh, was a guy that burst on the scene last year in the second half. They were hoping that he could be a 25, 30 home run possibility guy. He's still down in AAA after a really tough start to the season. Make no mistake about it, this was never going to be a team that would even be probably league average in in the power department. It's just not in their DNA with the guys that they have on this team. Jose has turned it up a bit. I think he's had five homers in his last nine to 10 games. He's still going to be that 20 to maybe 25 home run guy, maybe 30 homers if, if he can catch a little bit of a hot streak. Josh Naylor, probably 20 home runs at best, uh, maybe 25 in, in a really excellent season. But by and large, this is a team that's going to rely on their speed. They're, they're really a top, five guy, a top five organization as far as the stolen bases are concerned. They're going to take the extra 90. They're going to force you to have to throw them out going first to third. And then they're going to rely on a pitching staff that, you know, by and large, the last five to 10 years has been as good as any in all of big league baseball. So their MO is get an early lead, try and get those starting pitchers to pitch deep in the ball and have a really deep back end of their bullpen be able to shut it down. And I know when I just said Cooperstown, people just went, what, what? Yeah, if you go look at Ramirez's numbers as a switch hitter, when it's yes. all said and done, we're going to look up and go to baseball reference and go, Damn, this guy is a player. You get to see him day in and day out. We get a lot of highlights. Uh, but when I've watched him up close, you look at his – I know he doesn't look like an Adonis uh, in uniform, but when you watch him play, the bat-to-ball skills pretty much almost as good as anybody in baseball. I, I would say financially right now, Chris, when you look at the terms of his extension and the position that he plays – and then and maybe even a Ronald Acuna Jr. for that contract. Those two are the most affordable superstars in the game at the moment. And I just think that it's a marvelous thing that at the beginning of this season, when it was right up to the final moments of spring training, that there was still yet a decision one way or the other whether he was going to be traded. I know that Toronto and San Diego were right there ready with the fun to be like, yep, let's make this happen. It was Jose Ramirez who stopped the buses literally and got there with Chris Antonetti and said, I want to stay. I love it here. I want to win a world championship here. You know, 200, 300 million. I, it, that, that is not the important thing. I'll have enough money. It's the, the money that, that he signed for, he already knows it will set him up for the rest of his life and his family and, and probably their families beyond them. But it, it set a tone not only for this team, but it set a tone for the organization moving forward that the most affordable superstar, arguably the most affordable superstar in the game, wanted to be here in Cleveland. And it set off a chain reaction, I think, knowing that the Andres Jimenez extension followed suit after that. Trevor Steph and his extension. You already had Emmanuel Classe and Miles Straw locked up. Uh, and knowing that we may see a Stephen Kwan extension come hopefully sooner or later. 
Um, whether those things happen with some starting pitchers moving forward, we'll wait to see. But you are on the verge of this organization having to go in a completely different direction if you follow the Francisco Lindor trade with a Jose Ramirez trade. It would have been so devastating on so many levels. And, and I think all of us thank our lucky stars that Jose, the person that he is first, he's as selfless as he is. But, man, is he an assassin on the field. He is, he is out for it every single rep, every single at bat, rarely. And I, I can't remember in my tenure on the broadcast side seeing him take a playoff or seeing him not give 100%. It's remarkable in our day and age, Chris, to have a guy with that kind of talent, with the amount of money now that he's got locked up for the future, to be the player that he is day in and day out. So rare in our game. We're so fortunate to have him here in Cleveland. Well, let's end on this. You don't have to comment, but I think in the long term, Cleveland fans are going to be, whoo, thank God we didn't do that Lindor deal. By the way, <laughs> uh, as a broad, former player turned broadcaster, what you're doing there in Cleveland. Also, we love hearing you on Sirius XM. You're doing a great job. I always love when the ex-players turn broadcasters because you can bring us a perspective that most can't. I appreciate that, Chris. If you were to tell me that I would have played you know, nine professional seasons and seven for uh, my my childhood dream team, Cleveland is where I you know, family grew up. Uh, it's the team I always wanted to play for, and to now be able to cover them. It's my eleventh year in broadcast. I yeah, I'll turn forty next year. It's wild that I've been in the game this long, but so fortunate to to be able to do it for my childhood dream team. And I'll tell you, uh, we're we're lucky to do what we do. I'm fortunate that. You know, we get the opportunities to be able to bring the stories and, and the insights. And, and with our fans, both as players and broadcasters, you know as well as I do, we don't get to put food on the table. So uh, it's the first job I've had since mowing lawns to pay for prom back in high school. So uh, it, it's hard to really call it a job day in and day out, but, but lucky to be doing it. Great stuff. Enjoy the series. We'll talk to you later in the season. You got it, Chris. Thanks so much and good luck. Great stuff. Absolute great stuff. Yeah, he, you can hear him. He was uh, just on with uh, uh, Duquette. The Duke. Yeah, the Dukester. Doing the front office show they were doing on Jim Sunday. Jim Duquette. I was listening Early to Early morning. But you know what? If you are, if you um, subscribe to SiriusXM like we do, you can go back and listen to that show every single uh, Sunday morning. So you can subscribe. So you, you, you got to pay the monthly fee. But then you can go back and download the show Really, to me, uh, when you have Bowden and Duquette, two ex-GMs doing the show, but whatever, it's it's from an information standpoint that's not littered in analytics, we still like to hear people talk and give opinion, and that's what the show is because Duquette and Bowden are not big analytics guys. Uh, to me, I think it really is one of the best shows that you can listen to still. When you want to hear baseball commentary – the 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 side of a front office person of what it's like when you talk about contracts, trades, draft, building teams. They bring on all their buddies who are all the GMs or the VPs and 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 presidents of baseball operation. It's Sunday morning. It's early. If you can't listen to it, you can then download it. If you do get, and I love SiriusXM. I mean, it to me. Uh, no offense to where what we grew up in, terrestrial radio. Uh, the product is so local. And a lot of people, they want to hear local, local. But you can have that. But if you want to get a good, 
to me, I, I live on Channel 89, which is the baseball channel, and Channel 88, which is the NFL channel. You just can't get – I mean, how much Niners can you hear? What do you mean? You listen, you listen to NASCAR, too. <laughs> My NASCAR guy. But, I mean, their football – the football coverage, you can't compete. I mean, if you love football and you love baseball, Sirius XM – and, no, I don't get a piece of any subscription. I know I talk about them all the time, but it is. It's the best of what they do. I have XM. Some of you have Sirius, but for XM, it's channel 89 for baseball, 88 for the NFL, and uh, he's doing a good job there also, gentlemen, who is former player. Yeah, I have the I have the uh, Sirius app, so I'll use it on there. But I was listening on my way up there. It was the re- it was a replay of it with Duke and and Jensen on on Sunday. And of course, they started talking about Cleveland, and I you know the first thing I thought I was already like, what's going to happen with Shane Bieber? But it was interesting when he was talking about Jose Ramirez when he mentioned, uh, hey, the Lindor deal, three hundred something million for that. Uh, I don't. I don't, I've been following how he's been doing lately. Uh, I have the notes here for you. Let's see. Francisco Lindor has homered in back-to-back games since the birth of his daughter, but he's batting 171 last 20 games. Yeah, he's in 216 on the year. 171. Mets, highest payroll in the history of baseball, are 34 and 38. You're paying that guy 300-plus million dollars. Do you think people really in the Mets world are happy that they signed Lindor to $300 million and he's just, every day goes by, he's getting older. Yeah, it was 10 for $341 million when he signed it. So that's what is that? It's like 31 and 31 34.1 a year. What it, is he? How old is he? He's going to be 30 in November. Ooh, God, that's going to be a bad. Just wait to see how that deal ages. What do you. When he's not playing shortstop, what are you going to do with him? I would say DH. Put him at second and yeah. have a non-hitting $300 million contract second baseman? Well, that's Good what – Good luck. Well, that's what Jensen Lewis – when he brought up Jose Ramirez and how the whole trade thing – and he mentioned San Diego and, and the Blue Jays. Where the hell – how was San Diego going to figure out their infield if they got him? Who? Ramirez. Where, 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 where's Manny playing? AJ Preller is a zoo, man. <laughs> I'm just like, like he's just. I'll just acquire anybody. I want names. I mean, it's like it's for some reason. Peter Seidler, their their owner, has just been hoodwinked by AJ Preller. AJ Preller has not been successful as a front office man for the Padres for a long time, and there's been spurts. And obviously, last year they got into the NLCS, but they're a wild card team. And they're off to a bad start. They got smoked by the Giants. By the way, our friends across the bay. Playing well. What is that, eight straight now? Uh, our friends across the bay. The Giants have scored 72 runs. That's an average of nine per game during their eight-game winning streak. So as much as I don't like to talk about the Giants, as a team during that time, as a team, they've got an 889 OPS hitting 309. As a team, not as a player, as a team. And baby Yaz, do you want to face him eighth inning or later? He's been pretty good. He had to walk off splash it last night. Yaz is hitting 311 with a 980 OPS eighth inning or later. That, yo, there's no such thing as clutch, huh, Mr. Analytics? Oh, I never said there's nothing as clutch. I don't... Oh, you speak for the analytic community. <laughs> 
Don't put me in that crowd. I think clutch is a thing. And by the way, uh, Farhan, our buddy Farhan Zaidi, you got to give credit. And you want to know when teams are doing well and teams are on a hot streak in baseball, as sad as it may be and as much as I don't like this, you really have to look how the bullpen's doing. A's have played better baseball. How's the bullpen doing? Very good. Giants bullpen, last 32 games. I know I've thrown a lot of numbers here at you, but the last 32 games, the Giants bullpen is 15-3 and with a 1.70 ERA. And they're a major league best, 23-9 and during that span since May 15th. So there is something to today's baseball. How you doing? Do you got a winning streak going? Are you winning X amount of games? You know, when we talk about they've won 17 to 20 or they've done this or they've done that. One thing that you notice is how well the bullpen's doing because the bullpens are going to eat up more innings than they've ever eaten up before. We're seeing that. Bullpens are a huge part of the game, and it's fickle. You just don't know year to year. You know, remember the, 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 the year that Blake Trinan had for the A's, which was a historical year. He was, it was, Blake Trinan's year was better than Dennis Eckersley's MVP year. Yeah, bring was, him up. Bring bring the two years up. I think it was nine. I think he. I think Trina was nine and two with like a one eighty one eighty ERA or something like that, and he had like eighty strikeouts or hundred strikeouts in only eighty innings. Bring up the difference in their two years. This Dennis Eckersley winning the MVP, just not the Cy Young Award. This is going to show you how good Blake Trinan's year was. Let's do Trinan first. Trinan in twenty eighteen was nine and two with a. Point sorry, sorry, I was I was way off on the ERA. Point seven eight ERA, a hundred strikeouts and eighty in the third. Dennis Eckersley when he won the MVP and Cy Young in nineteen ninety was that ninety two right? In nineteen ninety yeah ninety one he was wait what year no, was it? It was ninety two. He's seven and one. Yeah, seven and one with a one nine one ERA. One nine one. Dennis Eckersley's ERA was one nine one. What was Blake Trinan's? Uh, 0.78. He had more than a more than a point better. Yeah, he had fifty one saves. Trinan. How had many strikeouts did Trinan have compared to Eckersley? Uh, Trinan had one hundred and eighty in the third. Uh, Eck no, had. You can't have a third. He had how many strikeouts did he have? Not any. One hundred and eighty in the third is what I said. 100 strikeouts and 80 in a third innings oh, pitched. How many? I, I just asked strikeouts. Oh, yeah, sorry. Third sorry, 100 strikeouts and, and Eck had 93. Who had more innings pitched? Eck had 80 innings pitched that year. Trinan had 70-something. Trinan was at 80 in the third. So they basically pitched the same amount. A guy had a way better ERA. I mean, it's hard to say you have a way better ERA than X1, 1.91. He was .7 what? Point seven eight. So think about that. Dennis Eckersley <laughs> wins the Cy and the MVP. Blake Trinan had a better year. Well, if you want to, if you want to, now you didn't have the pressure. I'll go into that. You know, it was a good year though. The A's were a playoff team. Eck was also thirty seven. What's pretty crazy? But that was the prime of Eck's career. Yeah. You know, he quit drinking. He wasn't a starter anymore. He was a closer. He resurrected his career. But you know. Blake trying, and then the next year it was terrible. 
So going year to year, give me the next year of Blake trying it. Well, I'm going to give you real quick, the because we look at ERA Plus, that's a big thing we look at. Uh, X-ERA Plus in 1992, 195. That's pretty good, 95 above league average. What do you think Blake Trinan's was? It was amazing. It was it was only 531. It's only 431 better than the league I, average. I mean, it's incredible. Blake Trinan was incredible. But his, now give me the next year. Six and five with a four nine one ERA and fifty eight and two thirds innings. Four, you go from point seven whatever to four nine one. It yeah. just shows you you don't like. It's like it's like when you have a magical year. Now you could talk whatever you want about certain giant players, but if you look at two thousand ten, you look at two thousand twelve, and you look at two thousand fourteen. The one constant that they had was a good bullpen. Because there's only one player that they had in the lineup for all three. Buster. And Buster Posey in 14 was terrible offensively in the postseason. But they did not have one player. Panda, no. They didn't have one player other than Buster Posey, position player, who was uh, prominent in the lineup every day for all three. So I had to tell you pitching. But the one thing that they had that played in the postseason, even though they did it with three different closers, where you had B. Weezy, Sergio, and Yario Garcia <laughs> turned San Diego, Santiago Casilla. We probably we were talking about him the other day. Uh, who? Uh, I, about, I don't care what you talk no, about when I'm not here. I was talking with a group of my friends somewhere about it, about Garcia and how he switched to Casilla. Well, did he switch or he just went back to his real name? Yeah, whatever you did. We were talking about that, though. How did you come up with Yario Garcia as your favorite? Oh, we game? were at the San Jose Giants game Saturday night. How was the barbecue? Uh, great. What would you have? Uh, the tri-tip sandwich. Very good. Um, it you was, didn't go to the ribs? Uh, no, I don't think I've had the ribs there. My wife has, and she loves them. Um, but, no, we were talking about name a random Giants player, and I threw out Garcia. As He's a, random? Yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, the people around us had no idea I mean, what we were Bobby doing. Bobby Estelea, who I always reference, is random. I, uh, I think I throw out your Victoria Alba as one, too. It was a random Victoria job. Alba. <laughs> but they go to show that uh, you got a hot bullpen, man. You can ride that. You can ride. If you ride that for the season, that really sets you up for it sets you up for the postseason. And how dangerous do you become in the postseason where you mix, you match? You shorten games if you've got that. I mean, the Kansas City Royals were built on that. They went to two World Series and won one, potentially could have won two. It was uh, uh it was Holland, Holland and Davis were the end, and there was another. They Escobar. Had a, yes, Escobar. Those are the three guys they used, and they all threw hard. And all they were, threw hard. Sutter's only had to go six innings. Just go through six, and then you had seven, eight, nine. But covered. it doesn't last. That's what I'm saying. If you have it. You got to use it. Coming up next, I sent you two things you needed to ask me today. What are they? Uh, one's about, I know one for sure is about Arizona that I remember. Uh huh. What's the other one? I'd have to pull up my phone to, to look. I remember the Arizona, though. I'm going to look at it. What did I send you? Oh, ask me about AL Rookie of the Year. Oh, there you go. Yes. Because, you know, around here we're like, hey, SD Ruiz. Este Uri Ruiz. Rookie of the year? Hey, he's leading the league in stolen bases. 
How about Ryan Noda? Ryan Noda is top five in just about every offensive category for rookies. It's also in the top ten for on-base percentage in baseball. So you need it. What time are we going to? Uh, 3.20. So we got another hour plus. Oh, we got a long show today. Yeah. So I got time to breathe. Yeah. Coming up next, what are you going to ask me? AL Rookie of the Year. And? The Diamondbacks and how the A's can learn from them. How can the A's learn from the Arizona Diamondbacks? <gasps> how? That's a tease, folks. Next, right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. That's a funky little tune you got going there, Commander. Yeah, I had to, up- I had to upgrade these. Some of the music we had was from years ago, and then some of our liners didn't say where we were or what studio we were in. So I wanted to make sure I updated it. And, and here we have We have Ace Cast Live games from the ra- the uh, remote studio, the tree house now, Ricky Henderson Field. So all of our imaging, as we call it in the biz, is now updated. Wow. Good for you. Well, you know, I do what I can. All righty. Uh, folks, if, you, if you're just catching us, Jensen Lewis was here, former big league pitcher, now does TV for the Guardians. You can also hear him on Sirius XM. Uh, tomorrow will be an interesting game. I now can't wait. Gavin Williams will be taking the mound 6-6. He is their number one prospect, rated number 16 overall prospect in baseball. Two different levels this year, a 2.39 ERA. It's another 100 miles an hour with all kinds of crazy breaking balls. Uh, going to be curious to see what this guy looks like. So we'll be getting a debut tomorrow for the Guardians, who this is shocking that they could be as bad as they are at 33 and 38. Now I want you to think about that. They are 33 and 38, and yet two games back of the division. <laughs> they are 33 and 38 and they are two games back in the NL in the AL Central. That is shot somebody. I mean, I don't mean to be I don't I I don't I don't mean to be captain obvious, but somebody has to win the AL Central. Uh, yes, it's not like the NL Central where the Reds are red hot and they've won nine straight. But in the AL Central, you got the Twins and then it's just everyone else. But the Guardians, you figured they would, you know, after winning the division last year, come, kind of coming out of nowhere last year and winning with all the young players they did. Now they're going to have Williams debut. You have the, the devastating injury to Tristan McKenzie, but their offense needs to get Actually, better. Actually, it's not as bad as we thought because we were thinking Tommy John. By the way, another uh, another pitcher, somebody for the Cardinals – I didn't see the name. Another Cardinal pitcher has gone down with Tommy John surgery. What is our count to this day? Is it? Um, it's not. It's. I was thinking it was because I know Ryan Helsley went on um, the IL the other day, but Let's I don't know put if he's Cardinals. Having... Tommy John, former former Cardinal reliever Tre- Trevor Rosenthal needs Tommy John. No, that's not him. And former A. Hey, uh, no, that's that's twenty twenty. It's it was uh, MLB rumors had it. Obviously, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, but another pitcher went down. I mean, it's the the, the it, it it maybe we're, we we won't address it now. Maybe in Nashville when we're at the winter meetings. Long way away. That's December, but we'll be in Nashville for the winter meetings, and everybody that we'll bring on. 
because then I can really have all of this information from orthopedic surgeons and just start throwing it out to all the big names in baseball we get to and go, hey, this is information from surgeons. We're, we're, we're having kids go under the knife. We're having very young men go under the knife. I mean, it's, it's, it is a surgery that is, like, given out, like, Tic Tacs. You, you see this as a problem? Like, at some point, and the fact that we now, as an industry, are just cool with, like, hey, everybody's going to have it at some point, that's just not right. It's just, it's, it should, no surgery should be so acceptable as Tommy John has become in our industry. For seriously very young kids, 16, 17, let alone early 20s. I get it, you're older, you're trying to survive in your career, but Tommy John surgery has just become this, oh, you're going to get it anyway kind of mentality. That is not right. That, that We should not be so, oh, it's just surgery. I mean, these things are devastating. We, we, we have tried to now portray this as not a big deal. And let me tell you something. No one's doing the story on all the guys that have had it and never returned and never were the same. We like to tell you the success stories. We're not telling you about all the guys and all the kids and all the people that go through these surgeries and they don't make it and they don't make millions of dollars. And you don't, I mean, and look at me, minor leaguers didn't make a cent playing and had to have Tommy John surgery. It alters your life. Guys get arthritis in the elbow. You think it's great to have arthritis in one of your limbs for the rest of your life? No. I I just, I, it's something we're going to have to address. But ask me the question. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, well, they're both about the ace, so you can't go wrong on either one. Uh, let's start with the, uh, let me ask you about the American League Rookie of the Year. American League Rookie of the Year. Funny that you ask about the American League Rookie of the Year because we have a couple guys where we talked about. I think the average A's fan would think Ruiz would be a guy that's really in the running for American League Rookie of the Year because? Well, he has the steals, 36 steals. Because we, we, we're, we're valuing the steals big time. And he's on pace, I think, as of right now, I did the numbers. He's on pace for... He's on pace for 79, 79 steals. Okay. But the problem is, and something I, I would definitely want to go over to, is something that um, you probably haven't heard anywhere else unless you watched A's pregame live on Sunday. A's Hall of Famer, Dave Stewart, have you heard of him? He's a three-time World Series champion. Yeah, him and I were talking about uh... – the Hall of Fame the other day at NBC Sports. Oh, yeah, you're like buddies with him Yeah, now. we're good friends. Uh, Dave Stewart talked to Ricky Henderson about Este Uri Uri's. And it was a very good point that Ricky made that the thing that Ruiz does well is he has the hit tool. He has the ability to hit. He's got really good hands and... Man, he can swing it. Every and he can steal bases, but everything else needs a lot of work. But according to Ricky Henderson, the thing that he wants to see, and it's part of the problem with Ruiz, is if he doesn't hit, how does he get on base? And now I'm not talking about hit by pitches, because there's going to be times he doesn't hit. 
Because right now, you look at his OPS, it's 664. That's not great. And he's got a low on-base percentage at 320 for a leadoff guy. Now, we like the way he hits. He's got 75 hits, which has got him either leading or tied or whatever with all rookies. But for a guy that's got so many stolen bases at 36 to have a war of just 0.2, there needs to be more to his game. So Ricky Henderson makes the point to Dave Stewart about Ruiz that only you can get here on Ace Cast Live, by the way, unless you watched early Sunday morning. Ace pregame live, which you didn't. I did not. I was on the way to the ballpark. So, Ricky said one of the things that made him so successful is that pitchers feared him just getting on base. They knew if he walked, it's a stolen base. They just knew it. It was like a walk was a double. So, if if you fear walking a player, what are you going to do? If you fear walking it, you're going to try not to walk him. And how do you not walk a guy? Try striking him out. Well, you got to throw strikes. Yeah, yeah. In your world, yeah, you think striking it out. Yeah. No, you've got to throw strikes. You can't walk somebody by throwing strikes. So, all of a sudden, Ricky used that to his advantage, knowing that with the crouch, he was going to get a lot of good pitches to hit. If a guy – now, he took a – I mean, no one walked more than him, so he was going to take his walks. But he knew he was going to get some cookies because guys did not want to walk him because they knew if he walked, it was a double, if not a triple. This is where, like the other day, in one game, I don't have the Bible in front of me. I can go get it. In a game against Philadelphia, in the very first at-bat, he swung at the first two pitches and hit the second one to lead the game off. What are you doing? You're a leadoff hitter. You need to see pitches. You, you, you need it. You can't be free swinging hack at the plate. I know you have the hit tool. Ruiz has the hit tool, but he's got to see pitches. And then in his last step out of the game, he struck out on three straight pitches. Now, Ricky Anderson played for 24 years, 25 years, whatever it is. It was a long time. He's one of the greatest players of all time. I doubt you can find very many at-bats that Ricky Henderson struck out on three straight pitches. It is just not what you want to establish. As a base stealer, your job is to get on base. However it is you get on base, you get on base. But we have seen a horrific bunting technique from him. His bunting's horrible. He sometimes just goes up there just to, uh, it's, it's, it's a hack attack, and that's just not, approach has to be changed. Now, all the stuff we talk about is stuff you can hopefully teach him. I've gone over it in the postgame show. I haven't gone over it here much, but I'm not buying anymore the, the aspect that Ruiz is young. Ruiz has played more games than most guys his age. I did a whole thing. I don't even remember which show it was, but... You take his 19-year-old year like he's a freshman in college. He was 19 years old. He played in 117 pro games. You go to teams in the College World Series right now, they've only played in 60. So he's had almost double 
what a he basically is first 19 years old. So he's been playing since he was 16. He's been getting paid since he was 16. He played in the games in, in the Dominican League down there. But at 19 years old, playing minor league baseball here, which would have been a freshman year in college, he basically got two years in one. In, in, in a span where, uh, you know, the best college baseball teams will play low 60s, he played in 117 games. Ruiz has played in more games than any guy that goes to college by the time he's 24 years old. He's played in more games. He's had more experience. So this talk, all this talk about, oh, he's young, so he's made, you know, he makes mistakes and he does this, it's like, you got to stop that. You got to see what it is. He's got to figure it out. And I, I mean, and don't forget, he plays winter ball, which, you know, if you're lucky enough to get to Cape Cod or Alaska in college, but you look at the amount of games, I mean, my God, 2019, he played in, uh, 2019 played in 98, 2018 played in 117, no college guys playing in 98 games or 117 games at a high level of... Because A-ball is still higher than college. Correct, it is. You're getting more. I mean, he's played 2021. He got in 84 games. I mean, look at the amount of at-bats, 493, 380. I mean, no college guy's getting over 400 at-bats. It's crazy. He played in a high, yeah, let's see, 2022. Between Milwaukee and San Diego, how many games did he get in in 2022? What's the total? 114. 114. This dude's played a lot. He's had a lot of play. In two, let me give you this, the, the total of minor leagues. In the minor leagues, he's played in 521 games by the age of 24. I guarantee if we took, give me a college player, any college player who's drafted after college and now he's 24, that would only be a couple of years in minor league baseball. Well, you're going to get picked at, what, 21? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the easy guy to mention for the A's would be Logan Davidson. Just got promoted to the AAA, but he's 25 and he missed the whole year because of COVID. So that's in there too. Give me Logan Davidson. Yeah, because and, – and, oh, and by the way, yeah, this is this is – Ruiz in the minor leagues has played 521 games, and that's with a COVID season of no games. So if he would have had the COVID season, he'd be almost at 700. Logan Davidson has played in 334 minor league games. Okay. 335, sorry. So Logan Davidson, a star player at Clemson, played in regionals, and has been in minor leagues, has played in 335 career games. Correct. In the minors. Ruiz has played in 521. So you want to tell me how young Ruiz is for the mistakes that he makes? Throwing to wrong bases, running when he shouldn't. I mean, I'm not buying the young thing. Broadcasters are going to sell this because that's their job. I get it. Me, I have to actually look at this, grade it, tell you what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is a guy that makes mistakes. At all seven levels now, Ruiz has played in 649 games as a professional. 649. That's not young. So he's got to – there's some things he needs to start figuring out. So getting up there and going, 
Three pitches strikeout, not acceptable. Swing at the first pitch of the game when you're a leadoff guy, unacceptable. The other day against Philly when he threw the ball to third and allowed, uh, was it Bohm or Stott to go mm-hmm. to second base, unacceptable. Throwing to the wrong bases, unacceptable. I remember one throw this year he threw up the first baseline from shallow center. There's certain things where you just go, that's unacceptable. Well, you'd say, well, why isn't he? Well, let's just look at Josh Young. I know it looks like Jung. It's yeah. Josh Young because he's German. Is it German? I think so. Look it up. Though. You're talking about the Rangers third baseman. Yes. It's spelled J-U-N-G, but it's Young. He went to, like, TCU or te- yeah, Texas Tech. I want to say it's German. It's Eastern European to, s- to save me uh, there. B- baseball reference, it says he's from San Antonio. <laughs> this is a Eastern European. It's, 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 it's Young. He leads all rookies with 75, 77 hits, so that's two more than Ruiz. He's got 44 RBIs, and he's got 15 dingers, one behind Corbin Carroll of the Snakes. My Snakes. Corbin Carroll's having an unbelievable year. Um, so, favorites to win a tight AL Rookie of the Year race, according to BetMGM. Young, plus 225. That means he's the favorite. Uh, Yoshida who should not be in. This goes back to Hideo Nomo and um, Ichiro Suzuki. These guys shouldn't be listed as rookies. They are professionals from the Japanese league. Yoshida at plus 250. You know who's third? Ryan Noda? No. No A's is on this list. Oh, no A's. Uh... No A's. So, Betty and GM is not even throwing our guys in. I'm sure our guys are down the list. They're not even even in the top four. Uh, I'm going to say not Gunnar Henderson. At least ain't better lately. Gunnar Henderson. Oh, it is Henderson. Wow. Plus 400. Hunter Brown plus mm. 750. Your leader in the clubhouse to be the rookie of the year is Josh Young. And it, Ruiz is not even here. And neither is Noda. So, could you get into that? Yeah, the stolen bases is great, but your all-around game has to get better. And you might say, well, that's harsh, Chris. That's Ricky Henderson said that. The man of steel. So, Ricky Henderson believes there's a lot that Ruiz can improve on. And still, the Christian Pache thing sticks in my craw about what happened over the weekend. Two doubles on Sunday, two runs scored. I don't know how good Pache is. I just would have liked to have seen how. Can you imagine if he had an, an outfield, and that's a problem with having veteran guys, but a outfield that you constantly had a mixture of Ruiz and Pache in the outfield and kind of seeing them grow together? Yeah, I was going to say because, uh, you know, Rooker was the guy that captain Rooker over his last 31, 185, two home runs, nine runs driven in. He struck out 40 times and he has a 561. What is Rooker in the last 30, 32 games, 31 games? 31, 185. Sitting 185. The league has found him out. And really, if you said who's been the A's best player this year, and I know I've been promoting him big time. I think there's no question the guy who's been the best this year has been Ryan Noda. If you had to actually say who he's not going to get into the game, but who should be the, as of right now, if you had to ask me who is the A's all-star, it's Ryan Noda, I think, no question. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think people are still going to say it's going to be Rooker. Um, no. 
They're going to say it's Ruiz. Who's going to say Rooker? Oh, people just look at his numbers because he has the home runs and RBIs and the OPS still. I have not heard anyone say that lately. Everybody knows he's dropped off. Everybody, everybody who has called the show, everybody, immediate people we talk, everybody said Ruiz because he's leading the league in stolen bases. I mean, that'll be the. I mean, one of those guys would be smart, but I still think Rooker has a shot, especially if he. No way. There's uh, no way. You don't notice because you can sell Ruiz from the standpoint of he leads the league in stolen bases. Yeah. Uh, Noda right now is ranked second in the American League in on-base percentage, eighth in baseball with th- at 397. Um, no one's catching Luis Arise at 450, who had another five-hit game yesterday. Noda's got a war of 1.8. Ruiz is 0.2. It was, it was actually negative over the week uh, before Sunday, I believe. Yeah, Noda's a 1.8. The, defense, the defensive numbers oh, are great. Oh, his defense is fantastic. I mean, Ryan Noda. Oh, I'm just talking about Ruiz's numbers weren't defensively aren't great. But well, Noda, yes. Defensive run save, Ruiz is the worst outfielder in baseball, if you believe in defensive run save. Uh, there's another guy that's really bad at defensive run saves in the A's, in the A's infield. It's not Ryan Noda. What's wrong with Shane Lee? What's wrong with Shane Langoliers? He's getting exposed. Negative 12 is his defensive run saved. He's getting exposed. What's he hitting? Uh, 205 on the year, but over his last um, – in June, he's hitting 178 in June. He has one hit in his last 17 at-bats. I think they had him in the notes today. Yeah, he's got one hit in his last 17 at-bats. Ramon Laureano, two hits in his last 17 at-bats with 10 strikeouts. You wonder why the A's are – you ready for this? Six for 52 in their five-game losing streak with runners in scoring position. Quickly do the math, boy genius. Six for 52. Um, California College of uh, uh, Pennsylvania. California, well, th- they changed the name now. Penn West University. Kind of like Cal State Hayward is now Cal State East Bay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I played against Cal State Hayward. I did not play against Cal State East Bay. There's a guy for the Dodgers who played. Just for- like the Guardians are now the Indians. There's a other way around. Are the Indians are now <laughs> the Guardians? Uh, there's a kid pitching for the Dodgers from Cal State I've East given Bay. you time I, to figure yeah, it out. I I'm going to say it's probably like 315. 315? Six for 52? I don't know. It's 115. Oh, I was close. I got to 15, right? (laughs) (laughs) The A's in their five-game losing streak with runners and hitting with runners in scoring position, six for 52. That is a 115 average. Well, if you start looking at it, Tony Kemp doesn't hit. He's in the lineup today. Ramon Laureano doesn't hit. Langoliers doesn't hit. I mean, a bunch of these guys. All in the lineup today. Uh, Unbelievable. Rooker? Rooker not hitting. I mean, keep hitting Rooker third, and the guy hasn't hit in over a month. I think over the last month. What During the five-game losing streak, they've scored 11 runs, I think is what it is. The pitching's been great. Now Pitching's just, outstanding. The offense has been the problem. The and last we five. can actually say that without, like, we're not sugarcoating it. The numbers show the pitching. If you're just joining us, because I know people pop in, last 13 games, the A's have the fourth lowest ERA for starting pitchers. They're the fifth lowest in the American League with the bullpen. I mean, they're they have they have turned it Scott Emerson and all that hard work, and that's why I talk about the validation for the coaching staff. Coaching staff is out there busting their ass, working with these guys, doing everything they can. But the reality is, there's only so much you can do, right? There's only so much you can do as a coach. You could do, you know, we can go through all the video, we can go through all the mechanics, we can go through all the data, we can go through, we can we can put you on rap sodos and have high high tech cameras and do Hawkeye and track man. We can do everything. 
but at some point you got to go out there and perform. Agreed, yeah. And and, and, the, and for those for the coaching staff, you can't hit for them, you can't pitch for them. So I think it's not only great for the players, I think it's great for uh, Tommy Everidge. I think it's great for 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 our guy Scott Emerson who's a unbelievable pitching coach. Uh, also for the skipper, Mark Kotze, so he can sleep at night and he's not trying to sleep in his office. I mean, for these guys, it's validation for the coaching staff is what it is. Yeah, and they're all – I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, I know some of the guys like Mahler have struggled in their pitching in AAA, but the guys like Sears, the return of Paul Blackburn has been really good for the – I think for the pitching staff. You know who believes that? Um, Dave Stewart. Okay. I mean, I mean, he's the veteran leader on the staff, right? I mean, he's been the longest tenured pitcher on the A's. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Cap's been pitching well lately, too. J.P. Sears has been probably the best starter all year. Hogan Harris has been great since his uh, de- debut against the Mets. I mean, over his last five games, the area is like 257, I believe. So, Hogan Harris has been has been pretty good. How do you not give the credit to Scott Emerson, the pitching coach? When we have seen out there the tireless work that he's doing with the staff, Every single day, they're grinding it, man. They're grinding and grinding and grinding, and you're seeing it. This is what we had talked about on this show. We had talked about it on the A's Clubhouse show. I need to see guys get better. That means the coaching is working. I'm not expecting you to go out there and win a ton of games. I'm not. I get it. I know what this year is, but I have to see you get better. So, with that said... Ask me about AL Rookie of the Year. None of our guys are in the top four, according to BetMGM.com. Give me the second thing I want you to ask me. Uh, how can the A's learn from the snakes? How can the A's? That is a great question, Cody. How can the A's? I got to go to my notes here. Where I right, 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 right. How can the A's learn from the Arizona Diamondbacks? Folks, I hopefully you didn't waste time. I, I am never going to get... I am not, I'm just going to talk to you straight here. I'm never going to get that time back in my life earlier today that I watched the MLB Combine. I'm never going to get that back. That is gone. On my deathbed, whenever that is, hopefully later than sooner, I will say to the doctors and the nurses, you know, if there was any time I could get back in my life, it would be the time I watched the MLB Combine. I want that time back. I wasted an hour of my life today. That was so bad. But I did get something out of it. Because you always got to get a positive out of a negative. Why the A's can learn from the... Why the A's can learn... I'm actually, I'm actually texting right now with the great Scott Emerson. He needs a good smile. He wants. I told him we're blowing him up on the show today. Oh. And he wants to hear it. All right. Mike Hazen. Do you know Mike Hazen, who works for the Arizona Dimebacks, what his official title is? Well, he was the GM. I don't know if he still has that title, if he's president of baseball operations or vice president or what is his official title. It's not chief baseball officer. Only one guy in baseball has that, and that's Hein Bloom. He is the executive vice president 
and general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So he has a big title and still GM. Okay. So if you're GM, what the hell are you executive vice president of? Front office. I, it just says executive. Ba- baseball operations. That's so stupid. He was asked today, what's, what, what does he see as the big thing for his team this year? If you haven't been following it, the Arizona Diamondbacks, as of right now, are in first place by three and a half games. Even though the Giants have won eight in a row, the D-backs are still in first place by three and a half games in the West. Mike Hazen said this. The biggest thing of what's happened this year is what happened last year. The changes they made in the second half have propelled them from last year to this year. He said, playing up tempo, wrote this down, playing up tempo, playing fast, playing defense, and built through the draft. Up-tempo, fast. Recently, Tori Lovello, manager of the Diamondbacks, friend of the program, said that they're like a bunch of black Labradors on the beach chasing Frisbees. That's That's how they play. That's a great quote. It's awesome. (laughs) That's how they are. You know, you throw the Frisbee on the beach, dogs jumping up, dogs going into the water. They're having a great time. That's the D-backs. And it all started last year. I had that stat for you that I found, that no one stole more bases and had a higher efficiency rating stealing bases in the second half than the Arizona Dimebacks. So, you think the new rules didn't play for them? We're playing fast. We're coming at you. It's every game. Let's go. But it was young players. Young players through the draft. Hogan Harris is the first guy we're seeing really through the draft. Until Nick Allen works out. Uh... But that's what the second half says for me and the A's. The second half. What are we getting with Soderstrom? When's Geloff? When's Cody Thomas? When are these guys coming up? I know Diaz wasn't drafted. Neither was Cody Thomas by us, but you get it. When are the young guys coming? When are the young guys, and Cody Thomas isn't young, but young in baseball terms. We got a lot of guys like that, by the way. Aaron knows, ah, they're a little bit older, but they haven't played in a lot of games. When are they coming? When are the younger guys going to bring the energy? Followed by Clark, Butler, Harris, and Double A. When are they coming? You can throw Logan Davidson in and now he's in Triple A. Logan Davidson, when are they coming? Because that's what the D backs did. D backs said, we're going to play fast, up tempo, play hard, play defense, bring it. We're coming at your ass every game. That's what we're going to do. That's going to be our style. And in the meantime, I still have it written down here, and I, this will not leave my desk this year, from Tori Lovello. Love, trust, effort, and commitment. All this stuff they talk about, and I know they're highly analytical, but they don't talk about it. That's just a part of their game. That's what's so interesting about the D-backs, of how they're playing how they're developing, how they're progressing has nothing to do with every night just crunching numbers. <sighs> Who's got the best barrel rate? Who's hitting the ball hard? What are the splits? How does he do against lefties during a day game? But not, not they they don't they incorporate it, but that's not what they're saying what makes them successful. The GM Executive Vice President said today, 
MLB Network at the Combine. I wrote it down. Up-tempo, play-fast defense built through the draft. Go back. I don't know. Maybe they'll put it on YouTube. That's what he said. That's why they're better. That's why they've changed. Does anything say about the tw- – I don't know why I'm getting angry now. Does anything say about the 2023 athletics up-tempo, play-fast defense built through the draft? The only thing up-tempo is Ruiz. Um, okay. Play-fast, not really. Defense, no. And uh, Hogan Harris is the only guy in the draft I've seen. Where's the up-tempo? Where's the play-fast? Where's the defense? Where's the built through the draft? Where's the love, trust, effort, and commitment? You want to learn from somebody who's winning and who's done it the way you need to do it the next couple of years? Because a big free agent contract's not showing up anytime soon until this thing gets closer to Vegas. That's just a reality. Don't hate me. It's just a reality. That will happen probably 26, 27 when you start building for that opening day. Right now, you've got to play with young guys. Tony Kemp's not bringing that. Ramon Laureano's not bringing that. Seth Brown's not bringing that. I mean, we can go on. Jesus Aguilar didn't bring that. Up-tempo, play-fast defense. That's what you need to be doing. That's what the Diamondbacks are built on. I mean, Corbin Carroll, this kid is hitting 333, 11 bombs, 28 RBIs, 30 runs scored in the last 32 games. He has scored 31 runs. Only Shohei Otani, have you heard of him? He's a good player. Has a higher slugging percentage than this kid. And Carol got, and Carol he got wasn't it. the number one pick in the draft. And he also got a very team-friendly contract, too. Yeah. Where Matt Chapman turned down 150 and once again isn't hitting his weight, this kid signed the friendly deal. These are the kind of guys you got to draft. These are the kind of guys you got to promote. Athletic. Strong. I mean, this is this is if you want to compete where nobody looked at the D backs, let's face it, everybody looked at all oh, the Padres are spending all that money. Oh, look at the Dodgers. Oh, the Giants. Here the D backs are. They're younger, they're faster, they're more athletic, and they're leading the division. I don't know how long it will last. What'd you say the date is right now? Today is uh June twentieth. It's June twentieth already. And look at real quick with them. Uh, big free agent contract, big free agent pitcher they signed. Where's he at right now? Who? Where's Bumgarner at? They got rid of him because they knew that, they knew that he wasn't he wasn't the future for them. They took a chance on him, realized it wasn't gonna working out, wasn't working out, and they cut him. Probably more importantly, you're looking at the numbers standpoint. You you could have worked through that. He wasn't good for the clubhouse. Yeah, that was interesting when we read that. When we read that. Um, Former A's pitcher, all-star. Dan Heron. Dan Heron. Dan, Dan Heron's their pitching coordinator or whatever. When Dan Heron is bringing him the info and he's telling Dan Heron to go stick it, it's a bad sign. Brent Strom, their pitching coach, long time, big time. And he's telling – Bumgarner's telling you to stick it. Don't want to hear it. That all tells you, got to go. You're not on the same page. We're not all pulling on the same rope. You're not pulling on the same rope, a team in first place. That kind of tells you when everybody sings this ultimate praise of Madison Bumgarner, oh, Boach and Bumgarner and the Giant. Well, here's a guy that could have been the leader for these guys and basically told the coaching staff to go stick it. What the hell do you guys know? 
so much they had to like end his career because I hadn't signed with anybody since in, in a sport that's desperate for pitching. This sport is desperate for pitchers. He hasn't signed. Maybe he doesn't want to play. But in a time where he could have been the leader of a team that's in first place, yeah. this is what he wanted. He left San Francisco to go be in first place and to stick it to the Giants. Because Bumgarner's Mr. Chip on his shoulder, he would have loved to have been in first place over the Giants in Arizona. But they got rid of him because he was a bad dude. Hard to believe, right? And yeah. now, after reading all the stuff about what went down, it's not hard to believe at all. He was a bad guy, and they're like, you're not worth – your numbers stink. Probably could work through that, make you better, but you won't let us help you, and you're telling us all just to go, you know, fly a kite. See you later. Hard to believe, Mass and Bumgarner. They were like, we're better. We're just better without you. We're better without you in the clubhouse. Yeah. and uh, Not saying he was a bad guy to the other players, but to the coaching staff, it's a bad look who's trying to help you. Like, look at what Scott Emerson's doing for the A's. He's trying to do everything he can. They're trying to do everything they can to win a division. You got a guy telling – you got a guy getting lit up like a Christmas tree telling you he doesn't want to hear it. Got to go. Yeah, and he's not even listening to Brent Strom, who's one of the best pitching coaches ever. Correct. Pitch, you know, be a coach in this game. And it just didn't work out. And they they, they acknowledge it, and, and they cut him. And it's not like they struggled since they cut him. They're still playing very well. D-backs have won 19 of 28 during that time, tied with the Giants and for the best record during that stretch. Atlanta? Since May 20th, the Giants, the D-backs, and who am I have the best record in baseball during that time? Marlins. The Marlins. Wait a minute. I thought you had to spend the most money. Everybody at the winter meetings and everybody talks about money all the time. Maybe after Fran we can get into the $100 million contract. Everybody says you got to spend money to win. D-backs, Giants, Marlins. Giants have a decent payroll. Yeah, they, hey, they did have Correa. Mitch Hanniger's hurt. Correct. Who would have saw that coming? Uh, since May 20th, that's a month. The best teams in baseball, D-backs, Marlins, and Giants. Big thing with the Giants, too. A lot of people don't want to hear it, but the thing with the Giants, they're youth movements here. You got Casey Schmidt, Patrick Bailey, who's now taking – Joey Bart's in AAA now. So, Bailey – and then they got Luis Matos up as well. This team hasn't Pat- lost since he got promoted. This Patrick Bailey kid since May 19th, talking about a month, he's tied with Jonah Heim for the most RBIs for a catcher. He wasn't known as an offensive What's catcher. Langoliers doing? Uh, one hit in his last 17. And this kid wasn't drafted to be a defensive catcher. Do we have somebody? Wh- oh, we got Fran, right? Yeah. He was drafted to be, or he was drafted to be a defensive catcher, not an offensive guy out of uh, NC State. Bring me young players. Mike Hazen, executive VP and general manager of the D-backs, said up-tempo, play fast, defense, Built through the draft. They started it in the second half last year. It's propelled them into this year. Well, we can do that because we're not in the second half yet. Second half technically is coming up. 81 games. What's 81 times 2? 162. 81 games is coming up here. What are we at? 75? This is, six? Game, this is game 75. We've got a whole second half to bring guys up, bring them together, let them learn, let them play together, let them play fast, right? Let them get like what the D-backs did. Play with your hair on fire, boys. Go get them. Welcome to the big leagues. 
And if it works, it takes you into next year. Because what's going to happen next year? Mariners, overrated. Uh, Otani's going to be gone from the Angels. They're going to be a mess. Houston's playing terrible, by the way. Yeah, they're not. They haven't, they haven't been good. Swept by the Reds, right? The and They lost the first game yeah. yesterday. Where's my Astros news? The Houston Astros have lost five in a row. They haven't lost six in a row since 2021. They've lost 10 of their last 13. Their offense is averaging just 3.4 runs per game. You know who's on the mound against them tonight? Verlander. Justin Verlander. By the way, his four seasons in Houston. Is this any good? 61 and 19 with a 2.26 ERA. He was a good pitcher for them. And it's in Houston, right? So he's returning to Houston. He got his a ring last night. Uh, two Cy Young Awards, two World Series trophies for Verlander. And by the way, Verlander, tw- 29 and 12 with a 2.41 ERA in 60 career starts at Minute Maid Park. You can't say they're not missing that. Yeah, they're missing him. I mean, Jordan Alvarez is on the injured list. There's a lot going wrong in Houston. Altuve's still not really hitting. Bregman still isn't really. Oh, hitting. you had a plaque for him in Cooperstown. No, so come on. We know he's he's going to be there. You already, yeah, you already. He's Joe Morgan. I mean, you already had it in no, there. You you told Jensen Lewis that Jose Ramirez. He might, he might as well rip down Schmidt's plaque. He's putting up. You're putting up Ramirez. Wait, 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 wait. That's a different. You'd have to go to another a, a, an, an Indian that's in there. You have Michael Jack Schmidt, greatest third baseman of all time. I could care less about Philadelphia, but when I was in Philadelphia, I made sure <laughs> I took a picture with the Michael Jack Schmidt uh, statue statue out in front. So out in front of Philly Stadium, was it Citizen Citizens Bank? Bank Park? They've got Steve Carlton and Mike Schmidt. Yes, I took a picture next to Mike Schmidt. Not Steve Carlton? Wow. Yeah, I took one with Carlton, okay. too. Lefty, as they called him. But Mike Schmidt, greatest third baseman of all time. It's well, Bryce- not even close. Since we displayed the Phillies. Will Bryce Harper have a statue there? Since he wants to I die. I want to die in the Phillies. Okay. Keep your mouth shut, Bryce Harper. This whole thing about Vegas. Wait a minute. What about all those kids you left in, in Washington? What about all those people, all those jerseys that were bought for you in Washington? How about your love for the Washington Nationals? And when you were a free agent... You didn't say Philly. You went looking for the biggest deal. You wanted the longest deal. Yes, A's fans, I know you're going to retweet him and, oh, Bryce. But let me tell you something. He's a hypocrite. All he cared about was the longest deal, highest price he could get. And now he's Mr. Philly. If you remember back, when did he sign that contract? Before the Nationals won the World Series. So was that 18 going into 19? Oh, when did he sign it? 2018, when? I think. In spring training. Yeah. So 2019. But he signed yeah, it in spring. spring training. He went through the entire winter looking for the biggest, most de- – and this guy's now talking about what to do. We're going to say he's about morality. He is the moral compass. 
the guy who all he wanted was the most money in the longest years, left a franchise that loved him, left a franchise that wanted to pay him, left a franchise that did better without him. So what did they do that same year? They won the World Series without him. How many World Series has Bryce Harper won? Zero. Yeah. Nats left the Nats. They got better without him. And now we're all going to be like, oh, Bryce Harper. Yeah. Guy waited all the way to spring training so his agent, Scott Boris, could get the most years and the most. Who could be the sucker that pays him the longest? And now we're looking for his advice on what he thinks. That's a joke. I understand how everybody feels. I get it. People are upset. But using Bryce Harper as a barometer is a joke. He's a flat-out mercenary, and the minute he doesn't play well anymore, Philly's going to kick his ass out, and how many teams do you think he'll play for during it? You think, how many, I will bet right now he doesn't play all 13 years in Philly. Should I mark the tape? Mark the remember, tape. Remember, he'd won any opt-outs in that deal. He won it oh, straight. I'm going to die in a Phillies jersey. Oh, you mean like how Shaquille O'Neal will never play for another coach other than Phil Jackson? He played for Pat Riley. He played for who was who? Did he go, played in guys. Boston. He played. I mean, he played all over the place. Phoenix. Uh, Michael Jordan said he'd never play for another coach other than Phil Jackson. Oh. Do I need to bring up the tape of Washington Wizard Michael Jordan? For. I forget who their coach was with the Wizards, though. It wasn't Phil Jackson. <laughs> Never listen to an athlete tell you anything about moral compass and what should happen, right? And never, ever, ever listen to these guys. It's unbelievable. I'm going to die in a Phillies uniform. No, you won't. They will get rid of you. You will play for somebody else. Doug Collins was the coach. Philly, tie, Philly ties right there. <laughs> When he came to town and everybody was saying that stuff, I bit my tongue. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is one of the biggest mercenaries we've ever seen. And his team won a World Series when he left. Does that not tell you something? That's very, very. That's telling. Well, remember when he remember when he signed when he gave his first press conference? He said, "We're gonna I'm gonna bring a uh, World Series title down Broadway," and he's or whatever he named the wrong street. He named street in D.C. and not yes. Philly. Yes. <laughs> He's named the Ross Street, that whole press conference from spring training, and how much he cares about Philadelphia. Wait, what? Your agent spent the entire offseason negotiating years on a deal. It had nothing to do with the city of Philadelphia. It had nothing to do. He wanted X amount of – he wanted over $300 million and he wanted 13 years. Who was the team willing to do it? And in the end, Philly was desperate. They needed somebody, and they signed him. And now he acts like he's this loyal Philly guy, and he always has to do this with the Phillies name. That's a fraud. He's a fraud. Am I right? Tell me where I'm wrong. I, you're not telling any lies, as a, a, a wrestler If the Dodgers would have offered 13 years, remember they were trying to get the Dodgers to keep up in it. He would have been like, I'm L.A., man, I'm L.A. It's closer to Vegas. I was going to say it's closer. Chris Bryant, closer to Vegas. Such a That's why he signed with the Rockies. Chris Bryant. These guys are frauds. Whatever I hear that. Jason Giambi is won the MVP. And Jason Giambi's looking at his agent. I was in the room. Arn, Arn, you get a deal done with Billy. Remember he was crying, telling Bill, I get it done with the A's and Billy Bean. And the next year he's signing a free agent. He signs as a free agent with the Yankees and he's holding up. Oh, my dad always wanted me to be a Yankee and Mickey Mantle. 
Two years in a row, Jason Giambi cried at the press conference. One was to tell the A's and his agent to get the deal done. The next year, his dad always wanted to be a Yankee. You guys really believe this S-bomb from these guys? You really believe this? You Twitter morons, you really believe this stuff? I can go on and on and on that you don't listen to players and you especially don't listen to them about business, loyalty, nothing. They're independent contractors. That's what they are. I don't hate them for it, but that's what they are. They're independent contractors. They're under contract for a certain time. Albert Pujols. Oh, his service contract's kicked in because God knows Angel fans want to see Albert Pujols <laughs> walking around. They are independent contractors, and if you're an independent contractor like I've been in, in my life, you are a mercenary and you only care about money. Stop telling me about mer- about morals and what should happen in sports and business. That's a joke. Shaquille O'Neal will only play for <laughs> Phil Jackson again. How many – go to – Phil Jackson. All right. Shaquille O'Neal. How many other teams does Shaquille O'Neal play for after the Lakers? Well, I – okay. I'll just pull up. Because he's only going to play for Phil Jackson. That's it. Shaq was a – after the Lakers. Shaq was a Miami Heat, Phoenix Sun, Cleveland Cavalier, Boston Celtic. So, he's only going to play for Phil Jackson or he's not playing at all. And he goes on to play in Miami, Boston, Cleveland, and Phoenix. Was Phil Jackson a Phoenix Suns head coach? Uh, No, not that I know of. Don't listen to players. Do not. I've covered these guys for Jerry Rice. I'm a 49er. But then I'm going to be a Raider. I'm going to be a Seahawk. Bronco. And I'm going to be a Bronco. (laughs) What? What? Are you serious? Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a Buccaneer. Emmitt Smith was a Cardinal. Johnny Unitas was a charger. Yeah, there you go. I mean, really? <laughs> really? Peyton Manning was a Bronco. No, he did win two Super Bowls there. I, I hear it. No, he won. No, won one. Sorry. He lost one. But, I mean, seriously. I mean, really? We really gonna we really going to believe in players and what they say? Are you really, you're going to buy into that. It may buy into the narrative you want. It may buy in. You may like it because they're saying what you want. But if you're believing in these guys, they would turn on you in a second for one – Pablo Sandoval, he, Panda, Panda. Panda signed the exact same years and number with Boston over San Francisco. You know why? 5% flat state taxes in Massachusetts. He made it like 8 or $9 million more. But the Panda. Then he came back. And then he came back. <laughs> then he came back. I made a mistake. Yeah. Whatever. I better get the Fran. All right, Fran Reardon. We love Fran. I just went off there. I apologize for going off. I apologize. Just had to let that out. But if you're really looking as a moral compass for Bryce Harper, please. Uh, Fran Reardon. Yes, I believe in the leader of men. The great Fran Reardon, the manager. Let's talk about the future with Fran Reardon, the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators. Joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the manager of your Las Vegas Aviators. Fran Reardon is with us. Fran, I know you just got to Oklahoma City. How you doing with the guys? Doing great. Um, you know, another road trip. We're playing the Dodgers for a week, and uh, they're in they're in first place in the other division. So it'll be a, a good test for the boys, and we're excited. How do you guys like that everybody gets the day off on Monday, so you have a set day off? I think it's, I think it's amazing. You know, looking back at the old PCL schedule where, 
you, you could sometimes play 22, 25 days in a row without an off day, and that includes all your travel from coast to coast. Um, there are a lot of really, really early mornings, and you know, having having the time off in a specific day, which is Monday for us, has been a just an amazing thing because we can travel on that day. If we're staying at home, we can have an actual full off day at home, and you know, you you know exactly when you're off so you can plan things if you have stuff going on that you need to get done yeah i gotta think i mean just taking care of your business right there's things you gotta do i mean you're you, nobody's living in places that they own so you gotta pay rent you gotta do your bills you gotta do laundry i just gotta think that's great for these guys to have one day that they know and just go who i'll take care of it on monday you got a monday not only can you go out play golf do whatever you want relax but you got that day to handle your business yeah, and that's exactly what it is. And, you know, you, you ask guys what they did on their off day and pretty much everything that you just said nailed it. You know, you throw in some rest in there and, you know, a nice restaurant for dinner and that, that's pretty much it. But to have that stability of that one day off, I think it's great for the players. And if it's great for the players, I'm all, I'm all in for it. You know, I, I've done worked a couple Oklahoma football games back in the day. Norman's not too far from Oklahoma City, and I've gotten to stay in Oklahoma City. I got to tell you, for everybody out there that thinks about the flyover states, I Oklahoma City is a sneaky good time. They've got great restaurants. It's uh, I got to think it's one of your better stops. Uh, yeah, I, I love it here. I love the stadium. Um there, there are great restaurants right around the hotel we stay at. We stay right right next to Paycom Center, which is uh, where the Thunder play. So and there's a lot of things to do and a lot of things to see within walking distance downtown. And they, they even it, since 2018, since I've been coming here, they've really done some, some neat things downtown to make it really accessible for, for people who are walking or taking scooters or just want to get out for a good night out. So, yeah, I love it here. All right, let's talk about your aviators. You got the win, 15-11 to 11 over Reno on Sunday. I look at one player from the box score and a guy that, you know, we know about that whole send you back down, got to find yourself to get you back up. Tell us how Nick Allen's doing a shortstop. I mean, he's, he's doing great. He's, he's controlling his at-bats. Uh, he's swinging the pitches he should swing at and laying off the ones he shouldn't. Uh, he's playing gold glove defense at shortstop. And he's doing everything that he needs to do to, to get back to the big leagues. And, you know, it, sure, it's, it's been a, a bumpy road for Nick, up and down, up and down. But every time he comes down and, and is tasked with doing something that's going to get him back to the big leagues, he really, really embraces it. And he doesn't pout about it. He's not bitter about it. He plays the way he always does. And he really works on the things that he needs to work on to get back up to the big leagues and be a productive big leaguer. So he's been wonderful. Yeah, he's a, he's a great kid. There, there's no doubt about it. And, and take us through this process where a guy has been sent down. Obviously, the team wants him to work on some things. Do they give you kind of an idea of what they want him to work on? And then how does that go with you and the player to get him back on track? Well, the answer to your first question is yes. There, There's usually a plan from the major league staff about what this – player needs to work on whether it's a d defensive thing offensive thing or a pitching thing and you know that gets communicated to the player before they come down and then the first thing I ask them or pitching coach or hitting coaches ask is hey what do they tell you what are you, what are you here to work on and then it kind of opens up a dialogue of all right well there's no time for 
you know, feeling sorry for yourself. There's no time for, for angriness or whatever the case may be. We got to get to work because, you know, you're here for a reason. And that's to, to, to work on, on things you need to work on and improve and get back up there and help the big league team. So there's a lot of communication that happens. But when, when you have that kind of communication to start when they come down, it kind of opens up the door for them to tell you what some some of the things they need to work on could be. So, you know, just trying to find that balance of what the, what the, the major league staff, the player and the staff down here, uh, we're, we all, we're all on the same page to try to work on the things that need to happen to get that player back to the big leagues. Yeah, I find that interesting. I mean, you, your job is so complex from a standpoint of you've got these young guys who are just trying to get to the big leagues for the first time. We can talk about Sodi and Geloff and these guys. And then you got other guys who have been up at the big league level. And sometimes when a guy comes down, he's not happy about the decision. He's, I mean, I, I, we're human beings, right? He's a little, he's a little teed up for the fact that he got sent down. Uh, just talk about the difference in managing guys who are just trying to get there for the first time and guys who have been sent down, not thrilled about it, but of course they want to get back up. Yeah. And you have that in every trip, triple a team, you know, you're talking about an age group of 21 to 35 or 36 years old. And each one of those players in between uh, to a man has, has a goal, whether they've been there before or whether they're trying to get there for the first time and, you know, their, their goals are different depending on which stage of the career they're in. But it's very important that we as a staff are intuitive to that and are helping with the if it's a young player creating major league habits, uh, creating professional habits. So when he does go to the big leagues, there's not a big shock of what he should expect or the things that he should or shouldn't do. And then it's the, uh, the, the nuance of the older player, the 34, 35 year old guy who is you know, it had some experience in the big leagues and is still working really hard in AAA to get back up and provide for his family. And there's everybody in between. And each individual player has that different story and that different uh, kind of push that they need. So it's really important that we as a staff try to identify how we can motivate each and every person on the roster to, to get them to the next level, whether they're 21 or 35 or 40, it doesn't matter. Wow. I mean, that's such a crazy range of ages, but that's part of the gig. Do you have a rule of thumb on player coming down, cool off period? You know, he's not going to be thrilled to let him kind of, okay, it's been a day, two days. Now let's get to work. It's it's not a rule of thumb, but it's a rule of uh, individual players and their, their mentality and their mindset coming down. And sometimes you can tell a guy doesn't, a guy doesn't want to talk <laughs> when he first comes to your office and says hello and, um, you know, he just wants to com compartmentalize things, you know, get, get his stuff back into his locker. And most of the times those players will come and seek you out later and say, hey, this is what I got or what do you have for me? Um, some guys are excited to get back to work. Maybe they weren't getting a lot of playing time in the big leagues and they're excited that they're going to get more playing time in AAA. So those are the guys that want to come in and say, hey, I'm ready to go. I, I you know, I don't want to miss any time. I want to get at bats. I want to get back on the mound. Uh, so there's no rule of thumb, but it just depends on the individual player's mindset and and kind of having a feel for where he is when he does come down. And, uh, you know, most of the time, these guys, they're still so hungry and they're still so motivated as professionals to get back to the big leagues. It's not a, a woe is me situation. It's a what can I do to get better situation. And uh, you always have to appreciate that mindset in a player.
You know, one thing that we talked about with David Force about Tyler Soderstrom is getting the on-base percentage up. I mean, we know the kid can swing it. I, I, I do the minor league report every day uh, inside the broadcast, and I keep seeing all these home runs. Where is Tyler, and how close do you think he is to big league ready? Um, Tyler's in a, a good place. Uh, he, he needs to control the strike zone more. Uh, he's he's hitting for power. He's hitting the ball really hard. His exit velocities are, are really, really good. Um, he's chasing too much. And because he's chasing too much, he's not getting into very uh, hitter positive counts. And he's not walking as much as he should. And it's just a matter. As a 21-year-old hitter, he's he is doing phenomenal at the AAA level. Uh, this, this is a level where they're, they're coming at him and with different ways and attacking weaknesses and trying to get him to go out of the zone. And he, he is doing his best to make the adjustments to control the strike zone, to only swing at the pitches that, that he knows he can do damage on. And it's, it's not easy. And it's uh, something that he's working on. And when he, when he has success with it, he understands that that's who he has to be. And when he doesn't, and when he goes out of the zone and chases and gets gets himself out, that's when he does get frustrated. But the bat is special, and you know it's just going to take reps and at bats and seeing pitches at this level to help him get ready for the next level. So, do I think he's ready now? I mean, he could go up there and compete for sure with the, the bat he has, and he's also catching really well and playing good first base. But I, I do think he needs more at bats and a, a, some, a little bit of refinement just to see more pitches and again start controlling the strike zone a little better and and swing swing at pitches that he can do damage on. Now that Ryan Nota's emerged here at first base, is Sodi athletic enough where he can play in the outfield? Oh, he is. Yeah, he's a he's a fantastic athlete. Um, it's not like he's a, a a burner, you know, running the bases, but but he's for for how big and strong he is, he can really move. Uh, he has plenty of arm. He's doing a really nice job throwing the baseball, the the catcher position. So yeah, I mean. I think I think Tyler has enough confidence in his ability to, to really go in any of the, the power positions on the field. How about Zach Geloff? Zach's, Zach's having a really nice year. Um, again, being being a young player at, at a high level, getting at bats at AAA for the first time, consistent at bats, he's, he's experiencing a little bit of the cat and mouse where they're kind of attacking him in a certain way, and he's, he's doing his best to make the adjustments. And even when he's not seeing the ball great or feeling great at the, at the dish, you know you're going to count on him to be competitive in there and uh, to fight for hits and fight for walks. And he's done a great job stealing bases. And what's, what's most impressed me about Zach is his development at second base. Uh, he's really come a long way as far as uh, feeling that position. It's not, a, it's not a position that he's been familiar with, played his whole life, and it's just like riding a bike. It's a position that he's trying to, to learn and really get a feel for the nuances of the position, where he should be on certain plays, different you know coverages, uh, double play footwork, double play positioning, and he's really really grasping onto that. And you know you look at the the totality of his season so far, offense, defense, base running, he's just been fantastic for us. Jordan Diaz is young and he can hit. The question is, where do you play him? Long-term in your crystal ball, if you had to say this is where he plays defensively, where would you say? 
Well, he, he's got, uh, I mean, Jordan's got a really good arm. He's got a lot of arm strength. He has, he has pretty good hands in the infield. He, he had success at the major league level at second base. Uh, he's learning how to play third base here in AAA, and, you know, he's, he's working hard to that end. Um, he has first base experience. He could, he could play over there. I think that any one of those positions I just, I just mentioned, and possibly left field could be a, an option for him as well. But the, the bat is, is certainly playing here, and he had some moments up in the big leagues where he, you know, he flashed signs of that bat. Um, I just think Jordan has to get comfortable in, in a position and feel confident and comfortable like he does in the batter's box, and then the sky's the limit for that young man. I can tell you I've been a big fan of Cody Thomas since we're in Oklahoma right now, and you're talking about he was a Oklahoma Sooner quarterback. So to be to, to be recruited and to play football at Oklahoma, you got to be a premier athlete. I mean, that's the bottom line. You've got to be able to throw. you got to be able to run. They're picking from the best of the best. He's one of them. We've seen him. Tall, athletic, rocket arm. Now, obviously, older in age because of that football transition. Just what do you see with him, and how do you project him in the big leagues? Um, I, I see a winning major league player in Cody Thomas. He does he does everything well. He does everything right. Uh, he's a consummate professional. He has uh, the mindset that you need to be a winning major league player. And I haven't even started talking about his numbers yet. You know, 14, 15 home runs, leading the PCL and RBIs at 69 or 70, uh, playing a really good outfield. Uh, he really, really excels in right field. And just the way he plays is such an example for the younger guys to watch him run everything out, to watch him give 100% on every single play, to never take a batting practice shag session off, to even if he's not playing that day. Just what he brings to the clubhouse as far as leadership and, and then you look at what he's done on the field. Um, to me, he's just a winning player at this level and the next next level. I just can't say enough good things about Cody Thomas. And he's excited to play here tonight because the only game he's ever played at Chickasaw Ballpark was the uh, the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game, and he wants to play here as a AAA player. So yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he's you know we we got to see him briefly, but we know he's been injured. I try and tell people. You don't get recruited to play quarterback at Oklahoma unless you're one hell of an athlete. Uh, Kyle Moeller got sent down. What have you seen? How has he progressed? Where are we with the left-hander? I, I, I think Kyle's in a really good place. He had a fantastic start his last time out um, against a really good hitting team in Reno. He is throwing strikes with all four pitches. He is commanding his off-speed better, so his fastball is playing up. And he already has an elite fastball to start. So it's just a matter of, of him getting to a point and, uh, you know, having the confidence to go back up and do what he has shown here at, at the major league level. And that's basically just commanding his four pitch mix and, you know, commanding his fastball because the stuff is all plus and the competitiveness and uh, the aggressiveness and the way he attacks is all there. It's just a matter of refining it, which is what he is making, a, you know, the, the, the adjustments here to have success at the next level and getting that confidence back that, that he is an elite major league starter, which, in my opinion, he is. Let's end on this, and we always appreciate the time. We know you got to get rolling. Uh, when we look at guys that we've seen before at the major league level or guys that we're waiting to see, 
who's really throwing the ball for you well down there right now? Well, um, Rico Garcia has has been really consistent for us out of the out of the pen. Um, you know, Aller has had his moments where he's had really good starts, and then he gets a you know a little bit of a little bit wonky out of the strike zone or a little bit too much over the plate. But he's had some really good outings as well. Um, you know, there's there's been some other guys that have performed well in the bullpen that you know. Uh, just they're looking for a little bit more consistency, but there there are some guys in in the conversation I know that hopefully can help the major league team soon. Hey, before you know it, we're going to be talking about Bills Mafia and training camp. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> we always appreciate the time. You're the best. Be well and continued success with the Aviators. Okay, thanks for having me. Ah, oh, that's my man, friend Reardon. Leader of men. Leader of men. Johnny Dosco's listening, said he loved the interview with the leader of men. Everybody, I mean, Fran is just, he's good people. I want to clarify something, because I didn't really realize, people can really text into, are they texting, what are they doing? Oh, no, it's YouTube comments. YouTube, well, they're not, okay. Here's what I, if you want someone who's got your back, as an A's fan right now, and you want the team to stay in Oakland. Tell me Brody Brazil, my man Brody. That is a guy who's put his heart, his love, his passion out there. Good friend of mine who's helped me a lot in my career, Casey Pratt. Those are two people that that's real. That's real. Don't give me Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper would sell you, me, and everybody else down the river. I don't like hypocrites, and I don't like, I don't agree with, just because somebody says something that I like, I now back him. I'm not into that. He's a hypocrite. And I'll give you countless things about why he's a hypocrite. That, that to me, I'm not, that's why I'm ripping Bryce Harper. Now, some people, we see it in life all the time. If someone says something, there are other people, too, that I'm not going to get personal, that I know for a fact that have been horrible for this organization. But now they're trying to, they're like an ambulance chaser. They're trying to hop onto this movement. But I can tell you their actions in the past were 100% against this organization and Oakland, together. They they were the problem. They're now trying to act like, oh, I'm with you guys, and it's a crock. So much of that is going on right now, ambulance chasing, that it drives me nuts. I'm going to stay to the baseball side, but let me tell you something. I've lived it. I'm the guy that's at the ballpark every day. I'm the one that's seeing everything. I know who's there. I know who's not. I know who's full of crap. And even though someone's saying something that is what you want to hear, it doesn't mean they're on your side. That's why I give you back. Brody Brazil's that guy. Casey Pratt's that guy. But there's plenty of people that are in our market who are trying to latch on to this, and they're really not. They're imposters. Just because they say something you like, you got to go back to what they were and what they've done in the past. They're imposters. 
They're ambulance chasers. And I think Bryce Harper is one of those guys too. And I think there's people who are in the media, in our market, who are imposters. Yeah, I think we've we've uh, all seen that. Go ahead. Say hello to Billy Owens. Uh, Trying to book him for tomorrow? Well, we were trying. The great Billy O, assistant general manager, trying to book him. He's now calling us during the show. He's at the. He's got to be at the combine. That's why he that's, lives in that's Arizona. Me, that's me. Resigned from. I thought of him. Combine Arizona. See that. See the combine in Arizona makes more sense than San Diego because all these all everybody in baseball lives in either Arizona or Florida. I mean, our our whole, our entire organization pretty much lives in Arizona, except a few. So it's really that's a home game for all these guys, especially Billy O. Not to give up his location and where he lives. But Good. then he may be in the bushes. Yeah. Like Shooty Babbitt in the bushes. Shooty's the other person I thought of about reaching out to this week about Combine and what he's seen so nah, far. he wouldn't be a Combine guy. Well, I'm saying like more like talking about like leading up to the Combine or the draft. I just want everybody in the comments to know what I was talking about. Are, are we clear? It's just that's the thing that bugs me is when I see imposters – latching on to something that they shouldn't be latching on to. It's not right. To me, that is not right. He wants to do it. He just wants clarity on uh it's kind of tough to respond when oh, we got like we got like we got like 2 minutes left then you can respond. So does that make that clear? Are we clear, Colonel Nathan Jessup and a few good men? Are we clear, Crystal? Are we clear? I think so, yeah. There are right people and there are wrong people. Remember that. And the people I've mentioned, those are the people that you should say, yes, that guy. Some of these people, it's like I see people back and I go, do you know what this person's been like in the past? That's been bad for Oakland and the A's. Just not the A's. And bad for Oakland in multiple ways. And you can look at their track record with the Raiders situation, too. But it's not like everybody's even forgotten about the Raiders situation, where a lot of you didn't care because you're Niner fans or you're not in the NFL. But there's some bad people that have latched on that now it's like, I wish I could reach out and hug all these A's fans and go, and go no, stop. you're backing bad people. They're not, they're not, they really are not, they're, they're, I want to say, what are they, cloaked and, the devil cloaked in a different, or I don't know what the term. There's bad people out there who are trying to be something that they're not. And some people have been like, see, they actually are on our side. No, they're not. They were throwing you under the bus and us under the bus for a long time. Be very careful who you back. You know what? As my father would have said, be very careful who you back. Be very careful who you believe in. Be very careful where you get your information. Be very, be selective. Just because you go to a buffet doesn't mean you need to eat everything at the buffet. All right? A buffet has a lot of different stuff. You go to a big buffet, you don't have to have a plate of everything. I think that's the best way to put it. Some things are better than others. Some things you can trust at the buffet. Some things you can't. We're out of here? Yeah. I still have more info. And we still even get to the teams and $100 million contracts. And the, the updates on the rules changes and what, what players feel and how soon for the game. 
Do I need it? You heard what I just did with Bryce Harper. You think I care what players think? You really care what play? You want to ask players about the? You mean the same guys that were cheating using steroids? The same guys that are using spider tack? These are the guys you want to ask about how they feel about rule changes? The only one that was interesting was. Uh, do you really? I'm being honest here. Uh, do do we really care what the players think? Uh, probably not. But they, they the one thing they all there was like sixty percent of the the players said that they would like to see a pitch clock extended in the postseason. They'd like to see it in the postseason? Like, like, to, like Up to like 20 seconds instead of 15. And then one of the one of the people said no was, I don't want four-hour games back. Yeah, you want three <laughs> three hours. Do you remember how long the postseason games were? Oh, my God. Nope. Hey, yeah, by the way, real quick, Yankees-Red Sox. Seriously, I, players, I do not want to hear from players. Yankees-Red Sox the other night, two hours, 32 minutes. Am I wrong by saying it? Weren't you the guys, oh, the, the, well, hey, what do the players think? Well, I know what the players think. They took us through the PED era. Did we just have to go through the spider tech era? Do we want to go, hey, why don't we bring back all the Astros and ask them, uh, let's bring out the two seven, 2017 Astros who were all cheating with cameras and ask them their opinions. These are the guys you want to talk to? You want, you want to ask them their opinion about the game? Hey, let's bring back the 2017 Astros and ask them what they think about the new rules. You want to bring those cheaters back? Banging on trash cans? You want their opinion on the new rules? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Am I making a pretty decent point here? Yes. There's other stuff they thought they where, where they thought Otani was going to end up. You want to ask Garrett Cole what he thinks about rules and then ask him about spider tack and see what his answer is? Oh, well, he stumbled through that already once before. I mean, it's amazing. Like we sit here, like, I, what, what do the players think? What do players think? Oh my god! The ESPN article is better. It gave actual numbers on all the rules changes. I need to relax. How much? The, how much the games are down? The time? All yeah, that stuff. I mean, it's uh, don't go to players, and it's amazing. You know what's great? The one thing baseball has done is bringing for like Rajay Davis. Rajay Davis is doing a great job working for Major League Baseball because once the players are done being mercenaries and being independent contractor independent contractors, they get a better sense of truly what it's like for fans, owners, the game. As players, they don't know. They're mercenaries. Who listens to a mercenary on what to do in life? I would probably say hopefully nobody, but <clears throat> there are some people out there that would. As long as they're saying what I want to hear, then I'm going to trust them. No, 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 no. They're wolves. Don't trust the wolves. Do not trust. All right, we will be back tomorrow. We appreciate you listening, watching A's Cast Live. Coming up next, A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. We get you ready for the A's and the Guardians next right here on A's Cast. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.